tell me about um mr beast he like is is so unique in the fact that he is laser focused in a way that i've never really experienced and and maybe at times like in a, in a way that i don't want to experience <laughs> yeah yeah just <laughs> he like, doesn't want to know i feel like i can rule the world i know i could be what i want to you're about to hear a conversation I recorded with Samir when I went down to LA. Um, I've been following these guys for a little while. They are knee deep in the YouTube game. And if you're a content nerd like me, somebody who really thinks about, okay, what is great content? How do I use content to build my business? Which is what I've done. Um, then these guys are very interesting because they know everything about YouTube and all the YouTubers they've done interviews with Mr. Beast and dream and a whole bunch of the large YouTube channels. We talked about a bunch of things. Like what makes a great interview? How do you do, what are the questions you ask? How do you prep and how do you um, show up the right way? If you're going to do an interview, we talked about quality of audience versus quantity of audience. How do you think about not just the numbers, but like the real trick, which is getting the right type of people to actually watch your stuff. Um, hanging out with Mr. Beast. So they've spent days and days with Mr. Beast. I wanted to ask them, what did they learn about this guy? He is the most popular YouTuber in the world. He's one of the most popular entertainers in the world, period. It's rare you get that kind of access to that type of person. And I wanted to hear some stories and he told me some good ones. Then we did five great creator businesses that you've never heard of and some predictions. What YouTubers does he think have the potential to build billion dollar empires under their content. He gave me three that he, he believed could be the case. And there's a bunch of other frameworks. So things that, uh, you only really have these insights. If you've been doing something for like 10 years, you've been thinking about the same thing from every angle for 10 years. Those are some of my favorite people to talk to. All right. So enjoy this conversation with Samir. Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. You know, finding a service solution that keeps your customers happy can feel impossible. Like trying to remember the name of that guy you literally just met at that networking event. And HubSpot Service Hub can help. So with the service solution part, at least it makes it easy. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform. With an AI-powered help desk and a chatbot to handle your frontline tickets so you could scale support and drive retention and revenue. Visit HubSpot.com slash service to learn more. Colin and I, you know, spent a lot of our career making documentaries. And what we noticed was like if we were interviewing a subject and we were just interviewing them head on, we wouldn't get good answers. And then we started taking them like driving or have them do something right. else. And then you would get the truth. Oh, that's and interesting. It, it was really interesting. It's like the truth comes out in the car. I think it's something that uh, some documentarians say where it's like if someone's doing something else, they're much more open if their mind isn't 100% on right. the interview. Um, Why is that? You think they're just performing basically when they sit down in a like a yeah, artificial I, environment probably yeah there's a lot of like self perception stuff that's going on right it's like how am i coming across right. who am i is the sounding right and if you're distracted then you but you guys do your interviews at a table basically yeah so you don't do that well we've been trying to explore like the concept of creating the right energy for the conversations right yeah like you think about like this has a completely different energy than if there was a table has a completely different right. energy than if we didn't have mics and we were laved or had booms. So we've been trying to explore like where our show is moving and what type of space we want. That's essentially exactly where I wanted to start, which is basically yeah. you guys do. So we came down here and we were like, oh, let's get like a place. Let's have some in-person interviews with people that we think are awesome. And uh, it's different than the like at home thing for sure, right? The vibe is different. Yeah. You get a different energy. But also you can do like high stakes interviews almost it's mm -hmm. like 
the whole day kind of gets built around this interview, yeah. which is not really the case when you do it online. And um, you guys have been doing some high stakes interviews. So you're doing yeah. stuff with, uh, I mean, just recently, I saw the Tim Ferriss one. That was great. And I, I'm guessing you're like me that you grew up kind of like really into Tim Ferriss's stuff and yeah. like, you know, kind of admire him. Yeah, it was pretty surreal. And uh, so that's yeah. a high stakes interview. You did Mr. Yeah. Beast, you did yeah. Dream, you did a yeah. bunch of these things. First, do you prefer like being the interviewee or in this case, you're kind of yeah. like more the guest on the on the show? Do you prefer guest or host? I like to talk. So like I like when we are the host and it is a conversation. I think yeah. that's the most fun for me. Like I do, I am a naturally curious person and, you know, along with higher stakes, it's also like very, very interesting people that I'm inherently curious about. Right. So that to me is really fun. I think where it's, you know, where it gets challenging is if you don't have chemistry, but we actually now do pre-calls and kind of not like chemistry reads, but we try and gauge yeah. what our chemistry is with the, with the guest. Cause we've been in situations where the chemistry is not good. And right. then you're like, Okay, how do I like what do we, where do we go from here? How does right. this work? Uh, and and when you're the producer of the show or it's your show in the middle of it, you're like, okay, is this going to perform? The voice in your head yeah, starts. Yeah. How going. do I edit this? How yeah. does it, and that then puts you into a whole like a disadvantage. A spiral, yeah. You're, so let's say you were doing one of these kind of like interviews you're pumped for. Uh, I'll yeah. call it a high stakes interview. Yeah. How do you kind of walk me through how you're preparing for that and how you're like just kind of like getting ready to perform that? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, we've been really trying to establish our relationship with prep because we found that sometimes if we're overly prepped, I'm barely listening to the other person. Right. I just know where My I'm going. talking point. Yeah, yeah. I know where I'm going. Um, and also how much of them I listen to prior. Because if I know their stories, I know their beats, I'm kind of like, right. you know, a bit- Curiosity wanes. Uh, yeah, the curiosity wanes. So um, been trying to explore that relationship. We do have a, like, we have a team that essentially develops a research doc. Like we have right. someone on our team who does that. Who's like, here's- Here's kind of like some origin story, and we we structure it like a act one, act two, act three structure. Where where is their origin story? What's the inflection point? Right. Where has that put them today? Right. Because it's like, what was the tense part of the journey? What what didn't work for them? Do we know any of that? Right. Is there something we can ask about that creates an inflection point? Because we are trying to tell a story with it. Yeah. So we need to know the general themes of what's happening in the origin, right? The act one what's happening in the conflict, the act two, yeah. and then the resolution and the future. Right. Um, so that's like the most- Without linear, knowing all the details. Without knowing all the details. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're trying to establish a new relationship with that of how much is it like curiosity and how much is it prep? Uh, and I think that's become more substantial for us as the landscape of interview shows is getting more and more saturated, right? right. Like when, when we interviewed um, you know, certain creators three years ago, no one else was interviewing creators. So it was kind of like, okay, this is a talk show for right. our own community. Right. Doesn't exist anywhere else. Now we're a part of a group. And that then pushes you to try and become more singular and more differentiated. And chemistry, how you show up, who the hosts are, matters. Right. I think you guys have done actually a really good job of that. I think about your show a lot because I think- Tell me more. What, you, are, we do, yeah. what are we doing well? <laughs> well, I think you have to- be, It's similar because there's two hosts, right? Um, which is really hard. Which is really hard in interviews, but- probably you have a better reception when it's just you and Sam Yeah. on a lot, right? It's like it, when you're building a show that's guest dependent um, or all about the guest bookings, it's like some people will look at this and be like, I don't know who that is. So I'm not going to click on it. Right. Some people will give it a chance because they trust you. Um, but really, if if it's you and Sam, you can carry the show and then you become less reliant on booking. So I do yeah. think like 
Colin and I have been thinking a lot about that. How do we instill some of that? How do we think about that? But we are just like, the show takes us to really interesting people like Tim Ferriss. And so right now in this moment, it's like- Keep riding the wave. Yeah, you keep riding it. Like, this is cool. The type of outreach we have is really cool. The people we get to talk to is really cool. So You said something like, uh, how how do I show up? Yeah. Um, I think about this a lot because when it comes to like sports, we're used to an athlete having like a- pregame routine, a meal, a nap, a stretch thing, a warm up, they're wearing the headphones, they're listening to their song. Yeah. They get the motivational speech, they run up, they run out there, they do the warm ups and then they play. Yeah. And but for other types of people who need to perform, it's like what what are you doing? Why do you need to do that? Just sit down and talk. Right? It seems so yeah. easy. It it's definitely presence, like you have to become very present right in the conversation. And so there's there's a couple different things to to try and do that. For me personally, I've discovered this 11 minute Wim Hof breathwork nice. online. That's Dude, just, I think it's brutal. I do that a lot. Yeah, have you done <laughs> it? Yeah. Yeah. There's so many people who know this exact one. It's like 11 minutes. Yeah, it's like and, his free YouTube, like yeah, top ranked best. YouTube one. And, he's, and his accent is amazing. Like, he's come like, on. All right, let's guys. Go. Yeah. It's so good. Uh, and like that just gets me in the zone. Like yeah, I, I love that doing thing that. Up. I want to so do good. that right now. Like, uh, so guys, that, yeah. Do you do it laying down? Yes. Or do you, I do yeah. it laying down. That's his way. That's his way. On your back. So we, we made a documentary about Wim years ago. And so like, I've just been- Which one? I, mean, I might've it, seen it. It's uh, it's on Yes Theory's channel. It's all called Frozen Alive. Colin and I actually edited okay. that. Okay. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes, this is it. This it's is so it. Yeah, good. so good. Yeah. <laughs> so, By the way, this is good I, as a like, uh, I do this like whenever we have like a team retreat or yeah. we're like, we need to do something. Um, I'll be like, hey guys, like if you're, yeah. if you're down- Let's do something yeah, a yeah. little bit weird. The, yeah. They're boy, like, what is he going to say? And this is not so weird. Totally. They're, they're down yeah. with it. And you you definitely feel energized mm-hmm. right at the end of it. Yeah. I, I try and get present. Like I try and take out a lot of the variables. I think as we've built a team, what's been great is like, it used to be me and Colin being like, okay, where do the mics go? Where do the cameras go? Or right. does the lighting look good? Um, and that can be really stressful. Yeah. I mean, for example, our most recent interview with Mr. Beast, when we went out to North Carolina, you know, we were there for a, a full day prepping for the pod, but at the last minute realized we didn't have a table. And Colin mm-hmm. and I went to a furniture store in North Carolina two hours before we sat down with him and we're just scrambling to buy a table and then assemble ha- it. <laughs> had to arrange for it to be delivered. And basically it all happened within a matter of, you know, that was a very stressful two hours prior to sitting down. And I felt very not present in the first half of that. Right. You know, I was, I was just coming off like, okay, that, that was intense. Why didn't I think of that? Kind of immediately already being retrospective of the process of, you know, yeah. and so all of that stuff, I think you just have to eliminate. I made uh, a bunch of mistakes like that when uh, this, po- this podcast started with me doing long form interviews. Like the first 20 episodes were just me interviewing people at a studio and whatever. And I, I kind of like got reps there and then it switched at like, I don't know, episode something 40 or something like that to me and Sam as like, a recurring thing, which was like way different prep, you know, mm-hmm. turnkey, turnkey setup, already have good chemistry. Um, don't have to book guests. Don't have to research guests. Just like be ready to talk about interesting things and like just turn up the, the, the sort of charisma as much as you can. But now that I got back into being like, all right, let's try to like, we have this amazing network. These are fascinating people to talk to. Let's just, let's do it. And I, I told Ben, I called Ben after the first one. I was like, Dude, that was like an hour too long because I did three hours. I was like, I thought I was Joe Rogan for a minute there. I, I did three hours, way too long. Um, and then I was like, I over prepped like crazy. And I, the thing you were saying where you're like, yeah, I'm listening. But in my head, I'm like, OK, where, I'm, where supposed to, I'm supposed to beat to this yeah. next. I was like, that wasn't right. And it's, so it's hard. 
Before yeah. this, we went to Dave and Buster's in between interviews good. and, uh, you know, played Papa Shot and I got in a good good zone and now I'm here. <laughs> it's either that or Wim Hof, you know, right. Dave and Buster's or Wim. <laughs> yeah. If you don't have a local yeah. Dave and Buster's, so you're unfortunate enough. I thought then... you were going to say, if you don't have a local Wim Hof. <laughs> now, you always got Wim. Um, you've had a bunch of these guests. Who's yeah. somebody that's been a lot of fun uh, that you guys have had re- on recently that's like, you know, giving you those kind of like mind blown, my brain's leaking out my ear. Yeah. Like who's done that for you recently? Yeah, it's it's hard to not say Tim, um, Tim Ferriss. You can say but, Tim, it's cool. But, but tell me what was dope about the Tim one. With Tim, it was the fact that he's been doing this for so long and, and um, he really opened my eyes to this concept of having a very high quality audience. And I, I look at Tim and I think he has like an incredibly high quality right. audience. Um, and I think we make a lot of sacrifices because we distribute our stuff on YouTube for viewership. Right. Right. Like it is... It's very odd that we have public performance metrics next to our work. There's very few other right. places where that happens, right? Yeah. Like in business, it doesn't happen where you're like, <laughs> here's how well I'm doing. And right. anyone can see that at any time. Yeah, if you go to a Shopify store, it doesn't just show you sales. Like, yeah. How many sales has this had? Exactly. Like, the um, truest, rawest like benchmark is Imagine walking into a grocery store and it just has like you right. know, revenue <laughs> under every product. It's just, it, it's a very odd thing that pushes us to make decisions for larger viewership rather than higher quality viewership. And I think sitting with Tim, uh, it was a deep understanding of how he's built a very high quality premium audience and a premium brand over a decade. And I think that- He said something in that interview to you. He was like, um, there's always a market for like the best. The best, yeah. And he's like, so I wanted to, whatever the ads were priced at, I was going to go like double Mm -hmm. that and be like, that's, how do I get that to be the thing? Because that will always be there. There will always be a market for- Whoever's got the highest quality audience with the best yeah. ad read, you know, that's that'll always be there. And I think that's played out. Yeah. And I think uh, what's important is to for us as creators to, to realize like what we are doing is not novel. It's been done before. We're building right. audiences. We're, we're media companies. You know, like this has been done before and we should look far back at who's done it really well. Yeah. You know, and I, I think that sitting with Tim was that opportunity. And you know, to, almost as a self-fulfilling prophecy, like the type of people who reached out to us after the Tim episode really was emblematic of it is a high quality audience that watches right. Tim and that's interested in him. It was not our highest performing episode. Right. But it's one of my favorite and it's one that drove a lot of high quality outreach. Right. And it reminded me of that, of of we can get really caught up in, you know, high viewership. But I think that was something that, that really pushed me in. There's a lot of stuff in there. There's something that I never forget that he said, which was... um if you do something that is even slightly energy depleting, it will compound over time. Mm. Um, and to like really look at your day to day and recognize what is depleting your energy um, because it'll compound over it's 10 funny. years. When you say that, it's like, I feel like everybody can think of like the one thing the right one away thing. Yeah. that you haven't been like really paying that much attention to. But when prompted, yeah. your brain is like, of course it's this. Yeah. And this is, you know, this is four hour work week from his book, but he talked a lot about who are the right clients to have. Like what, you know, right. money is not, we look at it as like, like, well, it's a lot of money, so I'll sacrifice these things for it. But if it if the client relationship isn't good, if it's depleting your energy, if it's causing a strain on your team, it's not right. worth it. And all those viewpoints are almost antithetical to our the the internet age of us being like, all of this is infinite. Right. You know, we can always be making more money. We should always be pursuing more viewership, more money, more of everything. Uh, he came in with the perspective of what's the right money, what's the right, right. view. So he said that energy depleting thing. What did you think of for you? I, I thought of um, like meetings. Yeah, I, I'm like a creative person. 
I like to be creative and I've kind of just spun myself up to be like, we run a media company, so I need to operate like a media company owner. And like, I think about hosting meetings or being on Zoom calls and I'm like, I I really don't like it at all. So on the podcast once, Sam did a really funny rant where he was like, you know, he's like long build up. He was like, you know, I've been, uh, you know, we sold the hustle this many months ago. It's been six months. I've talked to this person, this person. I've thought about all these things. You know what I realized? I'm a fucking artist, man. Yeah. And he just like, and I was like, well, it's not what you yeah, think is yeah, coming yeah. when he when he says it. And he it's also funny. doesn't like, like he doesn't come across like an artist. Like some people that the way they dress, what they do, you're like, that's an artist. Yeah. And he's like, I'm a fucking artist, man. I just need to create. I'm going to keep doing that no matter what the situation is. I, I should have, I, they said, be an investor. Yeah. I tried. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that shit. You know, I stopped doing it altogether. I just want to be an artist. And uh, I think about that a lot, actually. I think there's like a, a great way to like kind of draw a line in the sand around like, you know what? This is what I am because it gives me a bunch of energy. And like, what is, what is that not like, you know? And how yeah. do I just not so, have to do it? Maybe I don't have to do it at all. I think sometimes I, I operate from an old model with a new business where, you know, I grew up, my dad's an entrepreneur. I'm from an Indian immigrant family. Like it was all about going to his office, you know, clocking in in the morning, clocking out, like being there every day, being present uh, in front of your team. And I think we're just in a new world where it's like, is that, do I need to operate like that as a creative, as a creator? Um, I, I found myself that another thing that Tim said was, it was a quote from Whitney Cummings, but he said, if art imitates life, then you have to have a life. And I think that the the mentality of like, I really want to succeed is, hey, I'm going to go to my office. I'm going to grind every day. I'm going to work right. really hard. But then as a creative person or as someone who's on a podcast, it's like, well, now I have very little experiences right. to talk about. Or, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like I can tell you about the coffee shop down the street from here where I get coffee right. every day and then I come and sit here all day. Right. I'm so uh, routine. Why does anyone yeah, want why, to listen to this? Why yeah. does anyone want to listen to if I don't have interesting life experiences? There's... um. Uh, a thing I realized, which was my, so my grandfather, uh, like, what did your grandfather do? Or one of your grandfathers, like, did they like have like a factory job or like any, like, yeah, uh, like- my, my, uh, grandfather that I knew, cause the other one, uh, passed before I was born, um, had a, um, like train engineering job in India. Yeah. Almost exactly the same. My yeah. grandfather, some engineering, like a chemical plant right. of some kind. He worked there and like to him work was you come to the factory where the, the ingredients are coming in, they're getting processed, there's fumes everywhere, and like, that's what work is, and there's like a shift supervisor. Yeah. And then if he saw what my dad did, which was like, go to work with a briefcase, there's a computer on your desk, you sit in a like kind mm-hmm. of cubicle or desk, like, uh, sorry, office, and you know, you take phone calls, or you get on a flight and go to a business meeting where you're going to shake a hand and maybe do a paper contract deal, like... That was kind of my dad's job. That's like what work became. Right. It's just kind of unrecognizable and looks much less serious <laughs> than the chemical plant or the in the, totally. the, the, the uh, fertilizer factory or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then like to to my dad, what I do, he's like, "Are you ever going to work? Like, what are you doing? You're sitting in front of your phone. Uh, you know, you're right. talking to who? Who's yeah. listening to this? You get paid for this? Like, well, if I <laughs> get a bunch of views, then yes. Yeah. Or like, you know." Sometimes, you know, if it's like, I'm I'm working, it's like, no, you're just fucking around on YouTube. It's like, right. That's exactly what I do. Yeah, I like, yeah. I'm looking for in, the most interesting things in the world. And I'm synthesizing and I'm going to talk about it. But it's like our version of work is unre- unrecognizable to like, mm-hmm. you know, our parents. And I'm like, oh, like I just have uh, kids and I just have two two little kids. I'm like, whatever they're going to do is probably going to blow my mind. It's going to be so 
super unrecognizable. It's super yeah. unrecognizable. Yeah. But every generation does that. I'm like, oh, yeah. that's kind of interesting. Like, I should kind of not write off those things that look like complete not work. Yeah. Um, and like our, our company got bought by Twitch, which is like, if you watch right. people playing video games for a living, it's like, what? This is not work. That was a very confusing era. I mean, I, even now at, you know, in my mid thirties, when I look at what a 20 year old creator is doing, it's, it's hard for me to track. Uh, you know, I, I, I spend a lot of time on YouTube. I spend a lot of time talking to YouTube creators, but this next wave of creators is kind of like, wait, what's happening? What's going right. on? Um, what's the name of that? girl who's like going viral because she's like a npc Pinky doll yeah Pinky doll yeah i was like that that's like yeah the, is that's that the thing i don't know <laughs> oh, man. is that, that what our kids are gonna do they're gonna be like a vending machine what, all of this is so like uh it brings so much about like who are we as people like what right. what is that that we're into uh have you seen this it's, thing it's ben? really strange have you seen Pinky doll basically yeah. she's she's just standing there and like people are donating using the tiktok live thing have you guys seen this and, yeah there it is gang gang Mmm, ice cream so good. Thank you, Jackie. Gang, 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 gang. Oh, special. Gang, gang, rah, rah, rah. Gang, 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 gang. Balloon. Gang, 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 gang. Mmm, that was good. Lemonade. Hey, hi. So she yes. just whatever. If they donate the cowboy, she always says the same thing, the same way, yeah. like a, like she's a bot. And she's just making like I don't know, like what was she making? Like seven thousand dollars a day. Seven thousand dollars a day. Yeah. Gang, 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 gang. There's all these funny memes too of like uh, guys filming their girlfriend like doing this now. Right, right, right. I know. I think it says a lot about what we crave as audiences. Obviously, there's like a lot there to unpack of what we're into, but um, the interactivity, like you think back to entertainment, um, even when we were growing up, it was like the TV told you what was on. Right. It was a lean back experience. Right. Turn on TV. If what you wanted wasn't on, you just waited. And you may not even know. Yeah, you don't that you're know. You're super into these like niche cooking shows right. until the yeah. until Chopped comes out and you're like, oh. Exactly. I didn't yeah. know I wanted to watch other people cook. But and I don't know I if you remember the TV Guide channel. Yeah, it was a TV Guide channel. You just waited. It told you what was on channel 12. And if <laughs> right. you missed it, you had to wait a whole nother scroll 100 it. channels. <laughs> yeah. Scrolled by. So that was like a very lean back experience where we were like, okay, you tell us what's what to watch. Right. Um. And then as we progressed, there was like TiVo and it was more on demand. It was like, oh shit, we can record a show and like have it on demand or right. see what's coming up. Um, and now you accelerate it all the way to YouTube or Instagram. And it's like, I can search for what I want. I can curate my own entertainment. Now it's, I can create my own entertainment, right? right. I can pay money and she will do something. Yes. That's like, an, that's the next level, right? It's like interactive entertainment where I'm not consuming it i'm creating the entertainment i'm part of making I'm part it. of it yeah yeah and i think that's what you know twitch i think is a great example of that too right like people people watching long live streams why it's because they can have an impact on it yeah i think people don't really even actually understand what's going on with twitch um like now i think it's accepted that twitch is a thing which took a, a while to be like oh, is, that, is that like a big deal and it's like yeah it's actually a pretty big deal but i think Unless you use Twitch, I think people still sort of think um, the default is probably like uh, Twitch is people watching other people with video games live. And so maybe they're really good at the game. It's like, yeah, that's part of it. But then some people are, you know, like a lot of people are just there for the chat. A lot of people right. are just using this background noise in another tab. Like I remember looking at some data when we were there about how many people are literally just that's not the focused tab on mm -hmm. Chrome. And some people right. were like, well, we should, we should like discount that. And it's like, you talk to users like, no, that's like how I like that, to use Twitch. I'm not just, yeah. it's not like an accident and it's just running in the background. Like 
I listen to it while I work and I'm coding and I'm listening to this yeah. and I'll check back in. Like every, every time something interesting is happening, I'll go, I hear the crowd roar. Basically I go look at the score and I go see what's going on. To me, it's like the reinvention of the radio, right? Twitch has, has right. really operated like that. But then again, where you get to play a part in it, Ludwig was another creator that we, we talked to on right. the show where he has developed this kind of adversarial relationship with his chat. Yeah. Cause it, it, the way you said it was interesting. You go, it's kind of boring if everybody just, if there's also just supportive, right? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> you're right. And I was like, I never really thought of it that way. Um, and he's not adversarial like they hate each other. How would you describe it? Like, what is, what's an example of like what's going on on his channel? It is so odd. There's so many different things that go on. I would say his subathons are probably the thing to, to bring into focus, which is essentially, you know, he'll go live for, he, he initially started as 24 hours, but um, every time you uh, subscribe, every new subscriber, he extended it. Right. So essentially- like they torture were, me. Yeah. It was an adversary, right? <laughs> right? It was like, I want this to end, but when you take this action, it extends. Right. Right. It extends an hour. So he ended up doing it for 30 days uh, straight, straight, live streaming for 30 days straight. But again- He's dead like, now, but yeah, it was yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun while it lasted. But that's an example of like having an adversary relationship, which, which is, you know, kind of like you can interact, but you're bringing me discomfort. Right. You know, by- by doing this. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it makes it fun for the audience to to play with that. And it's obviously like a joking relationship. Yeah. But there's something that's, you know, fun about that. And I think we should really think about these audiences, the young audiences that are growing up with this. What do they want next? Right. Because we are we are thinking about like the advancements of, of entertainment in the context of what we had and how advanced this is that we can self-publish on the internet. Right. And that people can comment and we can have Discord servers and we can engage with them. But there's there's a whole nother, you know, version of participation. Even think about TikTok. Like, why do, why did TikTok become such a big thing? It's participation. It's like it was easy to participate. Oh, for anybody to make. Yeah, one. it was yeah. easy to, and they told you what to do. Right. Here's the trend. Here's the dance. Here's the dance. Here's how you do it. Here's a hundred videos of people doing it. Right. Here's the sound. You try. Click yeah. <laughs> this. You try it now. Right. Yeah. So the the even you look at Pinky Doll. Right. What we we're just talking about. For you to do that. For you or I to start doing that. It's we just start. A live account. That's right. it. We just start. <laughs> like there's the participation is so easy um, where we can either participate in the actual live stream or become that creator within a matter of minutes. Right. Uh, what do you think's next? Where do you see the puck going with that? I Obviously think hard to predict. It's, but it's hard to predict, but if, I think if anyone could, it might be you. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but I think I think what we have to realize is that um, TikTok taught us a lot about the fact that the platform is the creator uh, in that context. Right. Like if you take the top 10 creators off of TikTok, TikTok's still TikTok, mm. right? You still open it and you it's a for you page. You wouldn't even notice. It's almost reverting back to the lean back experience. I open TikTok and I right. say, you tell me what's going on, right? Back to what we were just talking about with TV. It's just that it's personalized to every right. single it's personalized. person. Yeah. yeah. So it's hyper-personalized, I think is number one, right? When we think about the trends that are, that right. are coming, which is already happening. But I think also... Um, like participation forward. So it's like, it's personalized, but it's really easy for me to engage in the action too. And I think that's where maybe there's like two extremes. There's the the Mr. Beast where it's like, I can't do, I can't buy a train and have it go into a right. ditch, which is something he did in this last video. Yeah, I saw that. And then the opposite end of the spectrum is like, here's what's happening on YouTube shorts or, or TikTok. And actually really easy for me to do that. And I can try so like, it myself. I'm in, S I'm in San Francisco. If you walk around SF, you, uh, you know, you can't like, you know, you, you, you stub your toe. It's like, what did I step on? Oh, AI. It's like nothing right, is, right. the answer to everything is AI. AI yeah. And I kind of, 
wonder if the answer to this is also AI, meaning you see that AI can draw amazing art. Like a paint, you know, it can paint better than right. uh, you know a human can paint. It can paint anything you want instantly, whatever. Um, it can write. It can make you know ChatGPT can make rap lyrics. And so I wonder, you know, how, do we just get to the point where actually the creator is the algorithm is the creator? It just it's right. hyper personalized, and here's just like it's gonna just deep fake and create something that it thinks you like, and it's just gonna try ten thousand variations per second. And then if anything starts to work, it starts to like go more down that rabbit hole mm -hmm. for, for more creators, for it, more yeah, people. Yeah, it, it might not even be a creator. It might just be self-generating video, right? That's what I mean. Yeah, like, that's the what algorithm mean. Yeah. is just making it's the just video. just making the content. It's been like, yeah. okay, people seem to like, because they have, I mean, an unreal amount of data, right? They're like, people have, like to hear people eat. That's have like you and thing. Sam been deepfaked yet? Have you heard <laughs> of My First Million uh, yes, deepfake? Yes, yeah. I've heard of uh, audio, audio only, not a video one, but an audio only version. That's a fake conversation. And how how... Close with I it. mean, it's like, like okay, if somebody listened to it, if my family member who doesn't listen to the pod listened to it, they would just think this is the podcast. Yeah. Because it doesn't sound robotic. Right. There's little moments, but it's sure. like kind of passable. If you don't know what deep fakes are, you'd be yeah. like, oh, I guess it just sounded like that. If you listen to the pod, you'd be like, oh, you're cool, but you're not really like substantively saying anything. Like, did you hear the one where they did Joe Rogan talking to Steve Jobs? Yeah. And I, that one was pretty good. But I think they kind of yeah. edited it well, to like no, make I, a cool demo. I listened to Joe Rogan and Sam Altman, is, which is it's a YouTube channel called the Joe Rogan AI Experience. And I <laughs> genius clicked, idea. Yeah, it's a, it's a genius <laughs> idea. But I clicked on it to to find out like Joe Rogan and Sam Altman um, talking about OpenAI and how ChatGPT works. Right. Started listening to it to be like, what does this sound like? I want to hear one. Is, and then. I just was like, wait, this is just good and interesting. Right. And then I just found myself listening to it. <laughs> and then I was like, do I care? So if we can do that with the like V right. 0.1, then you just have to believe like, okay, inevitably that's where yeah. it goes. I, there's been a few of these that go viral, right? Yeah. Like the kind of AI, uh, fake AI things. Like there's one on Twitch. I don't know if you've seen the Twitch one of Biden and Trump debating. Yes. I think where we're going to see this all really skyrocket is during the election. For sure, yeah, right, and it's gonna get really weird, crazy, and weird. <laughs> um, it, I brought it up about you because um, it happened to uh, me and Colin recently, where it was a video of me, Colin, and Mr. Beast talking about an online casino that he had started, and it was also our lips were also right. um, defaked. And is it a, on YouTube or no? Is it's it? it's taken down. We got okay. it taken down. Um, <laughs> We got to take it down pretty fast, but You're it like, was it's cool. Really, but fuck that. <laughs> yeah, it was really compelling. And, but I mean, it, it, it was too compelling. Like right. it, people could click on it. It's like to the to just the untrained eye. It's like, oh, that could have been a moment from the podcast I didn't right. watch. Um, I've had to have conversations with my parents about like, hey, be I, careful. Be careful if if someone calls you and it's it, you think it's right. me. Let's develop like a, a safe word, right. basically. <laughs> Um, with all of this, like when you ask me what's next, the thing that's been on my mind the most is physical experiences. Like I actually think that we're going to want things that are uniquely human, um, in the coming years. I think we're going to want things that are like collective human experiences where right. like stand up comedy. I think we were going to want to sit and be like that human is standing there delivering <laughs> that entertainment to me or plays in theater. Um, I think we're going to want that. And I think there's a lot of digital creators who are building really promising communities where people will show up, but a lot of online creators who are building high viewership, but no one would actually show up to something that they right. do. And I think that's... And what's the difference? I think the difference is um, 
the amount of personality that you inject into your videos and if people are willing to connect with that, right? Like long form podcasting is there's people who spend more time with you and Sam than they do talking to their own mom, right? Right. Or their, their own best friend. So they, they have this like really in-depth parasocial relationship. You guys have done live events. People come. Yeah. Right. Um, And I think there's other creators who rip all of that out because they're looking at the algorithm and they're like, you know what? When I inject my personality, (laughs) right. 10% 10% of people stop watching, but they're looking at it on a, on a view of like 5 million people and they'd rather have 5 million views than 4.5 million views. But when I look at it, I'm like, I think I'd rather have a hundred thousand views uh, or a hundred thousand dedicated fans who are, who walk away knowing something about yeah, me, who, like one who, more unit of exactly, trust who are, who are down to listen to me right. talk and, and, and understand my personality, then try and rip all of that out to make sure they get to the end of the video. And that is that is how like the business of YouTube is is predicated on do they click and do they watch till the end? But I think sometimes that can give you the wrong signals of what should I keep in, what should I keep out? Right. And again, back to the conversation of high quality audience. Um, I think the young creators, it's like it, it's like playing video games on YouTube, right? If I try this, then this number goes up, right? Right. And I think that is too easy to manipulate right now. Um, and there's there's so much information. I think we're we're part of that, of like sharing information right. on how that all works. But you do have to take a step back and be like, am I building a brand? And a brand is about trust, credibility, depth of connection. And that comes from some stuff that might not be optimized for the algorithm. Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. It is a podcast that we want you to check out. It's called D2C Pod. It's hosted by Ramon Berrios and Blaine Bolas. It is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. And this is a podcast about all things direct-to-consumer, D2C. It's e-commerce stores. It's how you optimize your brand. And they're talking with founders, marketers, and the platform creators about all kinds of things that you need to know for D2C. You know, website conversion, paid ads, Facebook ads, consumer trends, email marketing, If you want to know the stories behind your favorite brands, this podcast is for you. They did an episode recently about scaling creator growth and influencer incentives. I thought it's pretty cool. So check it out. Listen to D2C Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, there's um, it's sort of like drop shipping versus like building an actual brand around what you do, right? Like, yeah, it's good comp. There's um, I don't know if you ever saw when Sony got hacked. Do you remember that Mm -hmm. when the emails got hacked? Yeah. There was one email that I remember came out that was like pretty interesting. And I think it was um, one of the early Sony guys talking to the CEO and he was, uh, or one of the, it wasn't maybe the the early Sony guys, maybe it was like one guy from like a, like a music, a record label talking to him. And he was like, you know, here's what we're seeing. And he's like, basically the more popular this gets, like, you know, people streaming music at home, blah, blah, blah. He's like, it's also creating a pent up demand for what he called. He's like, he's like, I think out of home entertainment is going to be big. Mm. And he's like, out of home entertainment, like, uh, he's like, festivals will do well. This was like a while back. And yeah. like, there, there was like this kind of like pretty big music festival craze that kind of came out of it. Um, but there was also a couple other like trends like that, like even things like Tough Mudder and Spartan Race. All of a sudden, people were like, you know what? I just want to like, go and voluntarily crawl through mud this weekend. Right. It's like, why would somebody want to do that? Yeah. It's like, yeah. kind of because you're sitting in front of a computer all day. Yeah. Life got too easy. And you kind of feel soft inside. Totally. So you go voluntarily have this like hardship, but also you want to be able to Instagram it and put it online that you did it. Yeah. I think, uh, I, I totally agree with that. And I, I mean, obviously that, that it, that's what happened, yeah. but I think AI is going to create like this homogenous nature to content where right. everything's going to feel the same. Um, and that is going to make us crave something completely unique right. and different, almost like looking for 
like AI has brought a lot of efficiencies into our studio. Um, we use AI for a lot. Like what? Do you guys use Autopod? Are you familiar with that? No. What is that? Okay. That? So th there's there's three cameras right now, yeah. right? And so basically you would bring these three cameras in and you want to get a clarity on like, if I'm talking, the camera's on me. If you're talking, the camera's on right. you. Oh, it does those cuts. It just does those cuts automatically. If it's a, a three hour conversation, it'll do it in 90 seconds. Oh, that's amazing. And it'll be very precise. When you start talking, it'll go there. If you have a human here live switching, which I don't know if, he, if someone's live switching. He's not live switching right now, so, but we talked switching. about it yeah. like right before we started okay. this. So if, he, if he's live switching with the switcher, he actually can't predict when you're about to start talking, right? He's going to be a second late. So now, I do I trust the human more? Right. Or do I trust the AI more? I mean, the reality is it's brought a ton of efficiency into our office. That's cool. We also explore YouTube titles and play around with AI to be like, hey, here's the title we thought of, but give us 10 variations. Right. And sometimes <laughs> maybe it's it's ours that we like. Right. But if we keep going down that path, you know, the other day we were in That's a- just chat GPT or it's a different tool? Chat GPT, but there's, there's other like creator specific AI tools. There's some that aren't, public um, that can only be used if right. you're uh, partnered with certain you know creator companies. Specifically, uh, there's a company called Spotter yeah. that has a really great uh, AI tool that I was using this morning. And the funny thing is like you're sitting in a room with, with your team and it's is it more efficient to sit alone with AI and get hundreds of variations or is it is it more efficient to sit together as a team for 30 minutes? I don't know the answer to that, but I think probably it's AI, <laughs> right? right? Um, so the question for me is like, if this, if it's driving so much efficiency, I think I'm going to crave inefficiency in other places. And right. It's like the slow food movement. Totally. It's like farm yeah. the table. It's exactly. like oh, fast food gets too present. Yeah. And it creates the demand, the craving for the other. For the inefficiencies. Yeah. yeah. I've, what I've seen though is that even though that gets created, it does usually end up getting dwarfed by the thing that's, of course. Uh, you know, yeah. better, better, faster, cheaper, you know, like yeah. style of stuff. But entertainment, I think, is different. Like, you go to a concert, it's the most inefficient way to hear the music. Right. The Taylor Swift concert, right? You, if you like Taylor Swift music and you just want to hear it, just go on Spotify. Right, you're one tap away. So why do you want this collective experience? Why do you want to drive, deal with parking, get in there? you know, get to your seat. It's kind of a pain in the ass to right. go to a concert, right? So what is it about that? That's, you know, it's a, it's, it only happens once, right? right? It's like an experience that you get to happen. Uh, but, but, you know, by the numbers, a lot more people will stream Taylor Swift <clears throat> than yes. will go to Agreed. that. Agreed. But, you know, she'll make a lot of money and yeah. can and monetize totally, uh, totally differently. Yeah. Tell me about um, Mr. Beast. So I've gotten to go to his place and hang out with him a little bit. Pretty remarkable dude. Mm. Um, and not like, oh, he's like an alien or whatever, but just like very interesting to just kind of see him in his like yeah. normal ways uh, of working. <clears throat> and you can kind of see some differences between how he approaches things. Like you know, for me, I was like, oh, how does he approach things? How does he see situations and approach things differently than I do? And he came on the pod, but it actually was like nothing he said on the pod would have given me that insight. But actually watching him work and like kind of being in a brainstorm with him, then you do start to see those differences. Yeah. I think you've gotten a lot of access yeah. to, to those moments. Yeah. What's, uh, what stood out to you that you've kind of like picked up or noticed just by spending a little time with him? I always say he's like the most unique human I have ever met. Uh, I think he's like very, very unique in what he cares about. <laughs> you know, I think what he cares about is very different from, you know, what I care about or what a lot of people care about. He's different. What does he care about? He like is, is so unique in the fact that he is laser focused in a way that I've never 
really experienced and and maybe at times like in a, in a way that I don't want to experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like, he doesn't want to. Experience. No, I mean him and I have this conversation a lot. Like I I don't crave what he has. Um, I like to have more of a wide perspective on life and a view of uh, different types of experiences. And he's very um, committed to his craft and very like he he can laser focus in on something. Like if you've been in one of those brainstorms with him, he's just like very blunt. He's very, you know, he's just like, why would we do that? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> like no, doesn't it, it doesn't exist in the same way for him that it exists for other people based on social context or based on like, well, we well wait, should... so say that again. So you said no doesn't exist for him. Yeah. The same way it exists for other people. I think that's really accurate. Yes. I have a story of an example of that. I have from many him. stories what, of what's, that. What's yeah, one from I think you? the time where I saw that the most was at the Mr. Beast Burger opening in New Jersey at the American Dream Mall. Colin yeah. and I went- That was insane, yeah, right? Like, we, we spent the 24 hours with him before and after. Yeah. Um, and lived with him through this, like what felt like a, a hurricane storm of fandom and new experiences for him and Reed and, right. and the whole team. Did where, you think it was going to be go, go to the part where where he walks out? Where he walks out, dude. Like, that was so. I was the, the only camera behind him at that moment. Are you this camera? Or, yeah, I'm this camera. That's me. Yeah. Like I know he's famous, but I was like, this is not what I thought was going to. No, be I mean, there the was situation. multiple times where I had the chills filming this video. Yeah. Um, so I filmed I know, right? that. I, I know yeah, I filmed that clip, and then Jimmy was like, "That's crazy. Send me that." And I sent it to him, and then <laughs> he, he tweeted it, it <laughs> and it was just like, it, it's completely insane. Um, but so that experience, there was you know the night before, there was a question around like how many burgers they could serve, and and there was already, I think you know fifteen or twenty thousand people there the night before, right? It was oh, completely wow. insane, and uh, they were sleeping in the mall. Mall security was there, and they were just like, "Okay, all right, I guess." No, I don't think anyone fully understood uh, how big he was at that moment. Um, and so they were like, okay, we don't know if we can serve all these people. And Jimmy was just like, what? What do you mean? Let's just figure it out. Like, what do we need to do? And they're like, it's just not possible. We can't get more supplies here. And he was like, well, can can we pay for it? Can we just pay someone to do it? And he was like, well, I don't, you know, I don't think so. I don't think right. that's possible. And basically what ended up happening was it was possible. And Jimmy just kept pushing right at a point where again it's like a lot of people would be like okay that's a no if i ask three times it's a yeah no. yeah there's no other possibility oh the fire yeah. marshal said it he's like <laughs> yeah you know, whatever yeah and i think that he he thinks in different ways too of like um you know the, the his immediate thought was around the staff he was like i need the staff to be really into this i need them to be on it and so he's like i'm gonna pay everyone an extra thousand dollars today and that is 30,000. There's 30 people working. It was $30,000. Yeah. And it's in our video where he says, I'm, I'm going to pay all of you guys an extra $1,000 to whatever you're getting paid today. Right. Um, that's like an irrational thing to do. A lot of people would look at that and be like, that's kind of irrational um, to spend an additional $30,000. Um, but, you know, he looks at that and he was like, this is what I need to make this excellent. Right. We're just going to do that. <laughs> you know, and you look at what he tweets about now too. He spends, you know, a million or $2 million on a video and it makes... 200,000 in AdSense revenue and, yeah. you know, obviously his sponsors and stuff, but some of his videos don't make money and, and he's just like, but that's, they're good. Right. And, you know, he, he thinks in just different ways like that. Yeah. He's just very uh, unique. I, uh, yeah, I feel the same way. He also, um, said some things. So, so he also said some things that were like really funny to me. Like, um, he was like, I was like, so do you want to like have kids or like, what's your, like, what do you want out of life besides? Okay. Yeah. Like, I've heard the YouTube part. 
And I was like, what else do you want? And I think he had said, he was like, I want to be president. I want to do this. Yeah, I want to yeah, be a billionaire. Yeah. And, all that. and I was like, okay, cool. But like, what about just like out of your life? Like, forget the big, cool sounding things. Like, do you want to get married, have kids? Like, what, what do you want to yeah. do? And he was like, um, he's like, yeah, you know, I, uh, he's like, yeah, I'll, I think I'll probably like, you know, date or get married or whatever. He's like, I, he's like, I wouldn't want kids. No, fuck no. Mm-hmm. I don't want kids. And I was like, oh, why not? He's like, oh, he's like, actually, you know, like Steve and Elon, they, they have kids. There's probably something to it. So I'll do it. <laughs> and I was like, at first, just hilarious yeah. to be like, uh, like yeah. just like the first name basis, literally like the dead Steve Jobs yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who you never met Amazing. and be like, he's just like, that's, that's the class of people I'm in. Yeah. You know, if those people did it, there might be something to it. So I'll do it just kind of for that reason. But yeah. I don't feel the need for that because I'm on this mission and sure. like, you know, that's where I'm, where my head's at right now. I have seen him, you know, just being friends with him and having conversations. And we just did another podcast with him recently. Um, I have seen him mature quite a bit. Like, yeah. I think we, we do have to remember, like, that's a guy in his mid twenties. Of course. Yeah. You know, he's, I, actually, he's, he wasn't even, I don't even know how old he was. Yeah. I, I remember laughing at something and I was like, dude, he's so much smarter, more mature than I was yeah. at 24, 23, whatever he's just he different, is. different though. Yeah. Like, again, it's, it, that's not, I don't, I didn't have any friends like him when I was in my early twenties. I think he's, he's a very rare individual and he's 25 now and he's maturing into, he runs a company with, uh, over a hundred plus employees. Uh, he's, he's got this like whole massive operation, this massive platform and he's 25. It's, it's, uh, going to be interesting to watch the next five years. If you were to advise him, uh, what would you tell him? I think he's already experiencing some of this where he's looking at his content and injecting more storytelling into it, which I think is really, really smart and something that Colin and I have been talking to him about for a long time. Um, you know, it's the same thing I was saying earlier of, I I think it's okay to, to have a deeper connection with him and, and with the, with the content and with the contestants that he has on there. Um, and he can sacrifice some of the, you know, hyper retention editing for that. Um, I also, you know, a year ago probably would have told him he potentially is doing too many things uh, and he's already, you know, refocused, right? He's, he's really just focused on the main channel and Feastables. And if you think about a year ago, Beast Burger, Feastables, uh, main channel, Reacts, gaming, right? These are all different things he's doing. Right. Um, Plus 25 other right, amazing right, right. opportunities. Sure. Yeah. And, People and who want to meet him and this and that, right? Everything will tug your attention away. And, he, and it's, he's, ex, he can be excellent in all of those things. Um, but as you, as you grow up, as you mature, it's like, what do you say yes to? What do you say no to? And when you're at that platform where you have any and every opportunity, um, how do you focus? Right. It's it's hard. Well, the way I would put it is he can be excellent at any of those, but probably not all of them. Uh, not, probably not all of them. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. Not at the same time. Right? Yeah. You could do anything. You just can't do everything at the same time. Because as a creator in a creator led business, you are the bottleneck for everything. And I've spent time with him. He is the bottleneck for everything. Right. right? Like he needs to be pulled into the room to, to look at something. He has, uh, you know, say on on all of that stuff. And he also has the right you know, mind for it. He, that's the reason that company's so big and why right. he's built such a big platform. So where do you inject that? Is it across 20 p- uh, projects or is it across two? And, um, you know, I think they've, they've really refocused and focused on, on and two primary. Every ones. one of these platforms has like a guy at a certain time or a girl at a certain time. That's like the one they're like, you know, you know, whether it was like Casey Neistat or yeah. PewDiePie or like kind of, they have these like epic arcs and they're at the top of the mountain. And then, most of them either literally stop creating because they kind of they mm. transition careers, they get burnt out, whatever it is, or they're still creating, but they're just not like 
there's the new wave of new yeah. people doing new cool shit. Um, he is kind of remarkable though. So, you know, it, it, he may have a different path or trajectory than, than most. If you, if I was to say, all right, make a prediction, um, five years from now, what is like today, if Mr. Beast is like, you know, the number one YouTube creator and like launching a couple of these businesses underneath like Feastables and whatnot, five years from now, do you think he's still the number one creator? On YouTube? I think he's probably the number one online digital media company. I don't know that, you know, I, cre- I don't know what creator is going to mean in that many years. Like, I think he has the best pulse on on online storytelling right now. And I think, you know, we saw some people try this, like the BuzzFeeds, the, you know, like these, these massive media companies that emerge. I think he's more akin to a media company than he is a creator. Um, so I, I, that's what I think. I think he'll be the biggest media company. Um, the way he's building is like a true company. It's a great vibe there. If you've been there, you know, like yeah. it, it's, uh, they have good people involved. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know, you know, what the content looks like. I don't know what he as the creator looks like, but I think it will be a, a media company. Like when we sat with him last in our last interview, he has a ton of aspirations to make content for Netflix. He has a ton of aspirations to produce stuff. And you know, I don't think he's that keen or, or intent on he has to be in everything or he has to be the lead in everything. Right. I think that's been the that is the draw right now. But I think in the future, it it Mr. Beast is a content studio. You know, it, it could be we could be looking at like we don't know if we're not looking at the next Disney or Paramount or, you know, some right. massive studio that can build IP and monetize it in different ways. Like Mr. Beast is the first if we look at it and saying that's the first show. That was built out of there, right? right? It's a game show that has a couple different formats. It's distributed. It's the biggest show. Right. They built a chocolate brand out of that that operates kind of like a game show. You can win stuff when you buy the chocolate, right? right? So it's like, okay, that looks and feels really similar to like a Disney and a Mickey Mouse, right? Okay, let's let's build this big media platform and let's build a product connected to it. They, they have that skill set. They could probably replicate that, right? And as you look at their cast of characters... You know, there is a cast of characters there that can be built out. Um, there is more IP that can be built out. It's like build IP, connect product to it. Right. You know, right. or connect experiences to it. It could be an experience too. Yeah. If he, if he chooses to uh, to go that path. Uh, I want to talk about this. This sure. is amazing. So, yeah. So your, con- your yeah. content company did yeah. something pretty dope. Uh, you guys did, I think, what is it, 100 editions or 1,000 editions? We, we did what, 500 what? of those. No, 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 uh, but w- this was to celebrate. Oh, oh, it was to celebrate two years of our newsletter. Two years. Yeah, two okay. years of the newsletter, the published press. Yeah. So you got this newsletter, the published yeah. press, uh, which is dope. It's like a kind yeah. of what you guys do on the YouTube channel, sort of like creator, a great newsletter for yeah. creators. Basically. I mean, it was largely inspired by like the Morning Brew Hustle movement, right? Yep. Which was like, okay, we are subscribers to these newsletters. What if we made one about our, our own community? community. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, then you made an actual physical <laughs> newspaper. And yeah. I'm very honored because you yeah. pretty much sold out of these. Yeah. Um, this was dope. Why do something like this? Because I, I, I'm asking because this isn't like an economic move. This no. is not, not going to grow your audience. It's not going to get you rich. Yeah. It's not going to do any of those things. It takes effort. Yeah. Um, it's a risk in a, in a little, in a way. Um, what's your philosophy on just do dope shit like this? Why? Uh, it just, it's fulfilling. Like I, it's, it's hard to say that we have a hard nosed philosophy on it. It's just like, we are creative people. And as we've built a business, like one of the, one of the things that's so interesting about being a creative is you're really good at kind of like the zero to one and the like, let's just do cool shit right. until something works. 
what becomes startling is when something works and then you're like, okay, so what now? I just keep doing keep this doing thing. This. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's like, that's the really funny thing about Colin and I always say that creatives aren't consistent people. Right. Um, and so we've surrounded ourselves with really consistent people who help us be consistent in the formats that we found. Um, but you need that occasional pop of just like, you know, it'd be cool to make a newspaper. Right. Like we, we were rebranding the published press. That's the new logo for it. We just were like, how do we, how do we tell people that we've been doing this for two years? How do we celebrate? It also was, we had just crossed a hundred thousand subscribers on the newsletter. And it was like, how do we celebrate this moment? Right. What, what is it? Do we just put out a tweet? That's like, Hey, it's been great. Um, and we were like, well, as things are getting more increasingly more digital, what if we did something physical? And that, that was it. That right. was the, the impetus. And then it was just, Hey, is everyone excited about this? Okay, cool. Are we down to stay up late at night for this? Great. And that's, it just organically happens right. when you're, there's a lot of people who we asked about this and they were like, that's, you know, we, that's not going to happen in the time period that we wanted it to happen in. And then that's another exciting thing for a creative person. Right. Who's like, oh, driven. I found yeah, the challenge. That's, that's, that's another exciting <laughs> thing. Um, so yeah, I would say that it, it's again, like it cost us money. Uh, we did not make money from this. There's no sponsor in it right. or anything. Um, it, it didn't, you know, dramatically grow our audience, but, um, it's, it has been a moment where a lot of people could understand what the brand was. And right. a lot of big creators reached out to say, can I have one? Yeah. You know, I want one in my house. And then we were seeing that creators have framed it and put it in their house. We're seeing that there's yeah, just something you for one. Yeah, like, you asked me, for, you, yeah. you DM'd us and asked for one. And yeah. like that to me is like, again, back to this concept of high quality audience. It's like the people who reached out about this, it's, right. it's a premium and the reason I ask is because it's like in retrospect, once you see the final product and it's yeah. cool, and then you hear these stories, and it's like, yeah, all these things make sense in hindsight. It's upfront when it's kind of unknown, kind of unproven, tight yeah. deadline, you know, a lot of things to do. That's when it's hard to do this, or or sometimes you say yes to too many of these things, right? So it's almost For like sure. it, what you just said kind of reminds me of like Google had like the twenty percent time, it's yeah. Like, I hired the best engineers in the world, and like this guy's fixing the bug in the AdSense platform. But like, we got to give these guys like 20% time to just tinker and hack on yeah. stuff that, that they, you know, get motivation from. And like, uh, logically you'd say, well, you're losing, you know, 20% time is basically one day, one day out of, out of the week that they're not working on, on sure. this, uh, on their main job. But the reality is that like, sometimes those hit and also it makes the other four days out of the week yeah. more productive. Like, you don't actually lose anything. Totally. Because you attract the best people and you gave them an outlet to like be creative. Yeah. And also, if you're not following what's exciting you, then you're just, you built yourself a job. You right. Know? And that's like, then you have to look at it and be like, wait, what did I just do? <laughs> right, <laughs> you know, what, right. what did I just do? Um, I, I also think that, the, you know, what we do with our merchandise and what we do with anything physical, like most of it at the moment is not driving crazy revenue, right? It's not like a revenue driver for us. But we think about building our community and we're, we're very niche. And so for niche creators, we think about collectibles, like we want to create collectibles. That's right. Yeah. Um, and when we have collectibles, then you get to be a part of our community and be like, I'm, it, it's the feeling of going to see a band when you were younger and keeping the ticket stop. It's like, I was a part of this community at this moment. Right. So these are collectibles along the way of, of our journey. You think about the, the massive creators like Logan Paul and Mr. Beast or Emma Chamberlain, they're creating consumables, yeah. which is great for mass creators. Right. right. So um these these things are like cool collectibles that we think are cool like we're planning another drop in in october and our merchandise does not you know uh, drive like crazy amounts of revenue for us it's relatively nominal but it's awesome when you walk down the street and see someone in the merch we've sold 
you know, 2000 of these hats and they're, they're out in the world and right. 2000 people are wearing them. And we've, we, we see stories where people connect because they saw someone else wearing the merch. So that to me is like the symbol of community building this tight knit group, uh, who can connect and be like, I'm part of the same group as you right. identify in the same world as you do. Totally. We, uh, that, I love the way you put it. It's a great frame on on that idea of consumables versus collectibles. Yeah. When we uh, were about to launch like merch for the pod or whatever, and it was like, oh yeah, merch. And it's like, okay, here's two things I know. Number one, people don't want to wear our, like for us, it was like, they're not going to wear a shirt that says my first million. Like no. this is not going to happen. It's yeah. not cool. I don't want to wear that. They don't want to wear that. Let's just all agree on that. What they will wear is like inside jokes and slang that only, you, if you know, you know, and if you don't, you don't. No small boy um, stuff. Yeah, no small right. boy stuff. Or like, I have this shirt that it's a uh, we made that's a Polaroid of, it's like a fuzzy Polaroid of Sam when he had his hot dog stand. <laughs> it's like in the style of those like Kanye shirt or whatever. Yeah. It's like some like cool, cool looking, like it's like an imitation of that. It's great. And it's like, nobody will even know who that is or what yeah. the hot, like, you can't even tell that it's a hot dog stand. But like, if you know, you know, and that's it. And that's yeah. it. And I was like, we should just do, I was like, if we're, my rule is like the Tim Ferriss rule is basically, if you're not going to make a ton of money on it, it should be free or it should be like as just yeah. sell it at cost, but like, and do like a limited run so that it's more interesting. Totally. And just only like, if you're going to try to make money, only make money when you're going to make a lot of money. Don't yeah. try to like trickle a little bit of beg for money everywhere because that doesn't like, nobody likes that. And that's not the right approach for something like yeah. this. And a lot I of our merch is also is the right way to think about it. A lot of our merch shipments are driven by a referral program through the yeah. newsletter. Right. And right. So that's like, you know, again, that's like pulling from the the playbook. Same, yeah, yeah the, the the old the newsletter playbook. You had this um, tweet or this video that I saw that was like a Naval quote that I really liked. It was um, it said like uh, was it was like your problem is that you're writing to be read. Yes, that resonated with you and me. I want to like talk about that. Why did that hit? Because so simple. It's like you know, yeah, I don't know, seven words I, or something. I think it hit me at a time where I felt like we were creating very scared. The beginning of this year, I felt like we were creating very scared. Like we had crossed a million subscribers last year. We felt like we had built a brand in the space and opened up the year. We made a few videos that we just canned. We just didn't put them out because we were like, oh, those aren't going to work for the audience. But we liked them, um, and got really in our heads around. You know, again, you're you're playing this dance as a creator of what you want to make, what the audience wants to watch, and what the platform wants. Right. <laughs> Those are the three things that we think you're you're constantly playing with. And if you overvalue what the audience wants, you will you're you're catering to, you know, this group right, that obviously they, they have created your career if if you know you've made it. Um, but you you can't forget that it came from what you wanted to make. I think on on one side of the spectrum of you know being a publisher or being a creator. There is the artist who's like, I do not care what you think right. I'm going to make this. And that has financial implications, right? Yes. That are essentially very hard to make money like that, but <laughs> very cool. We respect artists like that, yeah. right? Um, those are some of the most respected artists like are misunderstood, maybe understood once they pass or just didn't care about what the audience thought. Right. Uh, your interpretation doesn't matter to them. Right. Then you go on it's the- like, love that you exist, but like- Sure. I like guac on my Chipotle. Yeah, exactly. you know, like, I'm just yeah, going yeah, to yeah, have a job. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> the other side of the spectrum is being a distributor. It's like, why do we have so many Spider-Man movies? It's because they put butts in seats. Right. So the person at the studio, the movie studio, is not an artist. They're thinking about, what do we make? What do we right. green light? Spider-Man. That's going to get people in the seats. That's going to sell tickets. And I think as a creator, you have to be in the middle of that. And some creators slide heavy on the, the side of distributor of just like, what does the audience want to watch? I'll make that whatever, you right. know? And then on the other side of what do I want to make? Um, 
And so I think that Naval quote really hit me in this feeling of losing. You know, I did grow up. I went to film school. I, you know, took playwriting in college. I'm like really into artsy stuff. And I think when money gets involved, when you start commercializing your creativity um, and when it doesn't work for years, that's an important part of our story, right? It didn't work for a long time. We didn't make any money for a long time. You get terrified of losing it. And when you get terrified of losing it, you start creating to be watched or writing to be read. What do you say? Creating scared? Yeah. Creating scared. Yeah. Let's take take a book title right there. I like that one. Yeah. It's something Colin and I talk about a lot. It's It's like, let's not create scared. You know, what are we scared of? You know, like it, again, it's 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 all this mix of the public view count, the perception, the tweets of like these guys have fallen off or you, right. whatever you think is going to happen if you put out a video that people don't like. <laughs> um, and people can feel that, I think. I, th- I think you can feel it as a creator. It feels really uncomfortable to, to create scared. And, right. Um, yeah, it's not it's not fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, um, you had Hassan Minhaj mm-hmm. on the show. And he, I love Hassan. He's yeah. very much on the artist side. I think uh, he like drew a line in the sand for yeah. himself. He's like, okay, I uh, either I'm going to get on TikTok and I'm going to dance for the algorithm. Yeah. Or I'm going to go the other way and I'm not. And he's like, had like a, the soul searching moment. It's not like, you know, he, he sent me a voice memo once. I was just like, bro, I'm going to just create great art. I'm an artist and an artist creates art. That's what I'm doing. I'm not a businessman first. Yeah. I'm not a creator first. I'm, I'm this is what I'm going to do. And he's like, so I got to be true to that. And I, I'm going to work on projects yeah. that are like interesting to me from that perspective. And it's got to hit my bar on that. And like, that's the vibe I got from him. But you know, this was a few years ago when I, yeah. when we were talking about that stuff, you had him on, I think more recently. Yeah. Um, End of last year. Yeah. Did he say anything that kind of resonated with you on that? Totally. Yeah. I mean, he, he talked a lot about, he kind of changed my whole perception on making YouTube shorts because <laughs> he, what did he say? He kind of made, he, he kind of made fun of it. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, Hassan's like so funny the way he, he talks, but he, he described making YouTube shorts as being a skinned rat for the engineers in San Bruno, uh, <laughs> which I thought was really funny. Uh, he was just like, you're a guinea pig. You are, um, you know, essentially creating more data points for them, for their, you know, you're, you're, they're your boss. Um, you know, whatever works on their algorithm, you then pander to that. Right. And so he, he, he kind of pushed us in that, that direction of recognizing, like, are we artists or are we creating for the algorithm? Um, and the second thing he said, which I, I heavily resonate with, he's like, everything is about the PDF, which means like, what is the idea, right? Write it on a piece of paper. Is the Mm. idea good? Show it to someone, pitch it to someone. Do they immediately go, that's a good idea? Do they laugh? Do they feel some sort of emotion before it's before it's made. made yeah yeah, yeah. and he's like people even when we got on our pre-call with him he was like all right what are we making together when we sit down right and he asked us that question and i was like oh you're right what is the hassan minaj colin and smear interview let's write it out let's right. let's not plan it but what is it like what's the idea why is this a good idea to do this right. uh what was it, the answer we talked about like how can we um like, how can we bring forward his creator story of starting on YouTube and using YouTube to um, go through kind of this crazy windy path up to Netflix, right? And how he's now kind of left YouTube. Because um, Hudson's, Hudson's origins are on YouTube. Yeah, I didn't he know He used this. to upload, he came up with shows and, and put them on YouTube. If you go to his channel and search by oldest. Like kind um, of like sketch shows? Yeah, basically. sketch shows. He did hosted shows where he talked about the news, like almost like Tosh. Uh, Tosh Pono, yeah. Tosh Pono, yeah. That for us was like, no one's no one has told that story. That's interesting. Let's talk about that. And let's talk about your relationship with, with 
And he was also like content. 18, 19 doing like comedy clubs, right? Like yeah. he was doing stand up at like yeah. San Francisco or something like that, I think. Totally. Yeah, I, I watched him uh, do King's Jester live. Uh, like we went out yeah. to go. Did you go to one of his yeah, shows? Yeah, it was really good. Yeah. So that's his stand up special. Um, that guy's like a performer, man. Like he he re- he really inspired me to be like this it's is not a like a comedy cra- show. It's, yeah, uh, it's, it's a one man show. It's, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a performance. Uh, and that to me, it really inspired both Colin and I to be like, this is a craft. You have to work on it. You know, performing is part of this craft. Um, ideation is the biggest part of it. You know, he has a writing partner that yeah. he sits and writes. Yeah, did you and, meet Pratt? Or yeah, yeah. What's he like? I've never gotten to meet him, um, but I, I'm very I'm very very fascinated by kind of the the wingman yeah behind, like uh, there's, the a lot, there's a lot of pop, popular people but almost all of them are not nobody's solo no. everyone's got some kind of a team and usually they have like their their confidant the person who's in the bunker with them figuring things out compliments them does all the shit they're not good at um yeah. but like kind of like keeps them going in the right direction and those people are actually really really fascinating to me and nobody really like asked them a ton of questions totally. i have a million questions for them uh what, yeah. what tell me a little bit about him i think oftentimes as as creatives and creators, we think we're, we want to hire an employee, but actually what we want is a collaborator. Yeah. And if you're lucky enough to come up with a collaborator, then, you know, those are the people in my opinion who typically make it like right. fully make it when they have a collaborator. So Pratt limited time with him, but, um, I find comedians to be like astute observers of the world. And, uh, I found Pratt to be like very much that right <laughs> like he he had a notebook and pen during the king's jester taping it was a, i don't know if it was a taping or if it was just one of the shows but they were prepping for the netflix special yeah and he was sitting there during the entire show sitting right in front of me just ferociously taking notes on what was working what the audience was reacting to when there was too too much of a pause when there wasn't like he right. was um and right after the show before Hassan came back into the green room, him and Pratt were talking. I love that. Yeah, I love it when it's sort of like, all right, we're going back to the lab. Yeah. yeah. It's like we he, kind of like, we do our thing, but like, because uh, I tell Ben, so Ben's my collaborator basically. Yeah. So like we did a couple businesses together, but also when it comes to content, like we recently did, um, we're kind of new to YouTube, but we did, we used to just basically put the podcast on YouTube. Yeah, I remember. And it was like, you guys are growing now though. It started really yeah. bad. It was like, we would, first time we did it, I remember we had like 4,000 views and I was just like, oh man, like, but like, <laughs> Which it's is fine road. for when you start, but we already had the podcast was significant. Right. So it's like, it's kind of like if you play poker at one stakes and then you go down to the micro stakes, like, you know, quarters, 10 cent table doesn't feel very fun because you've now experienced a different uh, level yeah. of stakes. But those aren't even in the same casino, <laughs> yeah. Spotify or well, Apple pods right. and YouTube. Yeah. And it's a completely different group of people. So exactly. Yeah. So, so we were like, all right, we think we could do this. And so we started to grow, but recently we did one and it's this, uh, it's this money one that's on the right there. That has how many views does that have now? Three hundred one thousand. Yeah, nice. So, so three hundred thousand views, and this was a video. It was the first video that I made YouTube first. I was like, okay, I'm gonna yeah. uh, create a video that I think is gonna be like YouTube. It's not just a podcast. Mm-hmm. And me and Ben were like, what if we just took three days? It's like we just tried to make one great video for this, and we did, and we made that, and, the, and we were basically collaborating on that for the first time. We had done that that way, but the cool thing is now we've been working together for a couple of years, and you get this like mind meld. Where it's like, uh, it's almost like uh, you only can you can speak in shorthand or reference like it's like if if totally. you say something, I already know what part he's gonna be like. Oh, we got to talk about that later, right? Because that relates to these other three things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then earlier we talked about this, but that's and it's like if you can get to that point, that's like a pretty like formidable thing that I think most people don't have. But when you have it, it's like oh fuck, this is that lets you go places. I think you need someone who's excited and wants to to be a part of 
a team where their name isn't at the forefront, right? Which which can be really complex, right? But we know who Pratt is, but if you're a fan of Hassan Minaj at scale, you're not going to know who he is. Right. Uh, so you have to find someone who's really into that too, right? Who likes Especially to be that person. If you've ever tried to hire a lot of people, be like, I want to work for you because I want to be you. Because I want to be you. Yeah. And it's like, okay, cool. But that doesn't really work. Like, especially with this group, <laughs> that's of, what I need. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This group right now, it's hard to hire someone who doesn't want to be the creator or, you know, is, is trying to become a creator right. and, and working with you to be like, okay, now I get it. Now I'm going to go right. do it. Um, but yeah, you have to find someone who's, who's down for that. But it's, it is kind of like being an athlete where, you know, you guys, when I leave, you're going to talk about the performance, right? Yeah. You're going to, you're going to probably watch game tape back. You're going to watch it back and be like, oh, maybe I should have asked this question there, right. or maybe this would have been more interesting, or he went a little long here. I should have stopped him. You know, like there's so much uh, that goes into this, that if you deeply care about the craft and you have someone who cares that much about the craft, you can get better at the craft. You can get better faster. You can get better way faster. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to find. Right. <laughs> it's It's typically happens just organically. And then you're like, oh, okay, this is my guy now. Right. How much do you guys, so you guys have your business off the back of your thing, which is the newsletter. The newsletter is a, yeah. a kind of a different type a, of business. It's actually a separate company now. And there's separate yeah. people writing yeah. that thing. It's not you guys creating yeah. it necessarily. Have you seen, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping track of these kind of creator driven businesses where you have like a, almost like a, mm -hmm. an audience co-founder. Mm -hmm. And like the way you used to have like a technical co-founder for a business. Now you have almost like a distribution co-founder or an audience co-founder. That's cool. What have you seen that maybe everybody hasn't heard of, right? Because I think everybody's kind of heard of Mr. Beast sure. and maybe a couple others, but um, what are some cool ones that you're keeping an eye on or I, I should know about or other yeah. people should know about? The typical creator business is make content, sell ads, right? Which is like, that's that's baseline. Right. Some people never need to grow out of that because that's just a good business. Yeah. Um, but like when when you go through those extensions, like I think Ali Abdal has a fantastic education business. Uh, he's a creator out of the UK who talks about productivity and um, he's built a series of courses. And Wasn't he a doctor too? He was a doctor prior. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> he's a doctor. He's an excellent teacher, um, but he has built a great business um, that is you know, very much focused on online education. I think he publishes his numbers. He publishes so I, his I think numbers. He does like 4 million a year on his, like four or 5 million it's, on his pushing like, to six this year, creator yeah. Academy, yeah. which is like basically like become a YouTuber. Yes. Yes. And he has a ton of courses on Skillshare about like studying for the MCAT or like right. he, he's just figured out that, okay, I'm really good at making online video. Yes. One of those ways is to monetize through advertising, but another one is through Teaching education. through online video. Yeah. And that's the classic like build once, sell twice, right? right? It's like you build it, it lives on Skillshare or on your own website for years to come, people can buy it, right? right. So I, I really like the digital product business um, because it's just scalable. And it, we do very few things that are scalable as creators, <laughs> right? Um, I also think there's a, um, there's a future model now, which is potentially there's a, a, a creator named Amelia de Moldenberg who has a show called Chicken Shop Date. Okay. Um, I think it's, I've heard about it's this. It's a great show. Were you the one who showed me yeah, this? Yeah, it's it's a great show. She she's had Jack Harlow on it. She just had Jennifer Lawrence on it. And what's the shake? What's the shtick? It's like at a chicken shop. Like it's, a, it's a, a fried date. chicken place. Yeah, it's, it's a date at a fried chicken place in London. And yeah. the chicken shop in London is like the last place you would go right. to, to have a date. So there's comedy in it. She's a comedian. Um, and through yeah, yeah through this, so she's had like this has now spun her into essentially creating her own production company where brands come to her and say, we love your shtick. We love your comedy. We love the way you've created this show. Right. Um, like this show has no advertising in it, no advertisers, and will never have advertisers. And this thing does, you know, the Jack Harlow episode has 15 million views. 
Um, this regularly does, you know, one to five million views in the first week, um, but no advertisers. And what it operates as is like it's a production company, and Nike just came to her. So she kind of created an agency. She created an agency. Yeah. yeah. So like Nike came to she her. Proved like I can create right. cool, likable content. But it's, it's vertically integrated where she can come up with the idea. Then her company can shoot the idea. Then she can be the talent in the idea. And right. then the thing that I think we forget is like she's the distribution outlet for that idea too. So where does she post on her own feed? On, on her own YouTube channel? Yeah. So she so she, she went, doesn't do ads, but she'll put like full episodes. Of like, yeah. Because I saw Barbie. But yeah. She she uh, went and thing. hosted the Barbie premiere. Um, That's smart. So I like that. There's another um, creator named Amanda Raish Lee, who's okay. who's uh, based in Canada. And what she did is she started YouTube by showing bullet journaling and how she was setting up her bullet journals. I'm, what is it? I don't even know what So that is. Get, get, go to the channel, Amanda, R-A-C-H, and then Lee. Uh, and now, yeah, like go to like one of these bullet journal setups. I mean, this just looks like Etsy of sure. YouTube. Yeah, right? yeah, <laughs> yeah. And how many views does it have? Three million. Three million. So when she started, she was doing these bullet journal setups. Like, he, here's how I set up my journal. And then... What she did was swap out the journals she was using and create her, her own, own custom journal yeah. company. And that to me is like epitome of creator business right? where it's what Colin and I call content product fit. She didn't have to change the content right. to, to integrate the product, the product yeah. right? You just, I mean, to talk about a big example, it's Chamberlain Coffee. When Emma Chamberlain right. launched that, she drank coffee in every episode, Right. swap her it's coffee like product out. placement, but yes. done at like a, a whole nother level. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, it's something we're actually struggling with, with our uh, newsletter, um, which is like, how do, we, version of that. how do we integrate that in every episode? Sure, we can bring it up, but that doesn't drive subscribers. Right. Um, so it, it's, Logan Paul said this about Prime. He said, a lot of creators, when they talk about their own product, it sounds like they're doing a brand deal. Yeah. They don't know how to integrate it regularly, you know? And like the Nelk boys with Happy Dad, right? right. Their, their alcohol is in every single episode. Right, because they're so present. Yeah. yeah. Um, Logan has Prime everywhere with him. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, I think creators who have this, like Amanda, they can build really substantial businesses. What do you call it? Content product fit? Yeah, content yeah, product smart. fit. Um, so this is a really impressive business to me because it's just, it's niche, but 3 million people watch this and she sells this journal. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, she's got to be doing, I mean, what do you think she's making on on something like this? I, I've spent time with her. She's never told me, but yeah. I will say that she speaks at a lot of Shopify events as like <laughs> a, a very good case study for them. Uh, I know she's doing well. She yeah. has a good team. Um, the thing I love about this business too, it's, it's repeat purchases. There's right. a new journal drop. You can run out of pages right. in a journal. Once you, it, you know, once you have allegiance to this, it's like, yeah. You know, great. Uh, so I, I've had this idea for, cause I'm a big journal guy. Yeah. Same. And so, uh, I was like, oh dude, I want to create my own because I don't know. I'm like, I have an idea of what I want mine to be. I just haven't made it. So like, if I'm going to make it for myself, maybe I'll make it for others. Yeah. But the best, uh, example, my favorite example of this is actually a really small stakes one, which is the Ryan holiday coin. Totally. That's like yeah. such a good example of this. Cause he was like, he's the way he described it. So first it was like con the content uh, product fit where he's yeah. just like stoicism. Here's the like reminder coin that like, you're going to die. He says like, you know, whatever, <laughs> remember you're going to die or whatever. But he was like, you know, I've done like t-shirts, t-shirts suck. Yeah. And he's like, I wanted something that was like, I could fit in an envelope, a normal envelope. So mm -hmm. like mailing was easy. I wanted something I can manufacture here. So I don't have to like pr produce overseas or whatever. He's like, no sizes, no colors. It's like, just like there's so one. Good. Yeah. Like there's one skew and I'm going to sell. And I think he sold like $20 million of this one skew no. over the years. Really? Yeah. 
I'm pretty Damn, sure he said that. On, I'm pretty sure he said that on, on our our episode, or we like, you know, you, you waterboarded yeah, yeah, him yeah, yeah, out yeah. of it. Like, you know, <laughs> where we're like, I think you've yeah, done something wrong. Yeah. Is that wrong? Is, is that in the ballpark? <laughs> yeah. And he's like, uh, it's not, you know, I, not wrong. I think probably one of the biggest creator-led companies um, right now that that maybe isn't as as prominent in the mainstream conversation is Mark Rober's Crunch Labs. Mm, that, which is like a subscription, subscription box, box STEM yeah. or something, right? Like it's like yeah, a science kit. It, exactly. It's a science kit. I got it for my nephews. It is excellent. They are hooked on it. Nice. Like it is excellent. I text Mark about it. I'm like, dude, this product is crazy. Like that's it's huge. That's a big business. Huge. Yeah. That's a big business. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, and I, and I know he said the... now that that makes more than his channel. Yeah. For sure. And his, I mean, his channel is massive. That's that's another great example because he yeah. does basically crazy science experiments, right? That's right. Yeah, and he has big versions of that in his videos. So like, he'll make a big version of it, right. and then he'll be like, "And you can make a miniature version of this at home." You know? I think this content model, this what you're just describing here, yeah. these examples is um, like I always think about when I meet someone. I'm like, "Wow, you had so much success! Like, what'd you do?" And they're often the story is basically like, you know, there was like a moment in time where like if you realized. Like X, like X thing works, which is like in the early days of Google, it would be like, I could buy clicks for a cent for like any keyword. Like, that's insane. Like, okay, let me just work backwards. What's the best keyword? And like, so that's how I got into like selling leads to lawyers or whatever, like, you know, asbestos, you know, removal company or whatever. And then it's like, um, like our buddy created native deodorant and he's like, yeah, basically like I started this when Facebook ads were kind of like underused and people were only using them for like, like media companies were trying to buy Facebook ads. But then they were like driving them back to a blog post and monetizing with a Google ad there. Right, right. It's not really a good model. Yeah. Like, I realized like you can sell just like a product through Facebook totally. ads with really simple ads. And you don't want like things that you used to have to go into Target, get Target to carry you. You could just start selling directly to mm-hmm. consumer through Facebook, D2C. I mean, think and, like, about there it. wasn't really like as much of a category yeah. yet. But it's like if you knew if you knew that secret during yeah. that time, and it was kind of an open secret, but not like it wasn't obvious to everybody yet. Yeah. I mean, I think Movement Watch is another great uh, Influencers with them, right? led marketing. But I, I think what's incredibly hard, especially for creators right now, is the, what you have to sacrifice to have that that view and that long-term view of building a product. Because um, advertising revenue is so available right now to right. us. And again, you, you kind of pull the levers when it comes to YouTube. It's the highest margin advertising dollars that I think, you know, has existed in, in video content ever, right? Because- you don't get on the phone with the advertiser. Right. You aren't you aren't negotiating no a contract. Teams, yeah. There's no sales team. There's no back and forth. There's no revision. Yeah, There's but YouTube nothing. takes what like forty five percent. Yeah, but yeah. still, so it's like this, not, you know, dude. But there's you still just don't like see it. you don't see it. It's just like and, and like you don't not, have to do any work. You don't have to do any work. You don't do it right. You just you upload content. And you get a check in the mail. Right. Um, so creators who make really viral content that has reasonably high CPMs, it's like well, I should you know I should make another video, and then a brand deal comes, and that can be, you know, anywhere from from twenty, fifty thousand dollars all the way up to two hundred thousand right. dollars, right? And you're like, well, okay, all right, I'll make another one of those videos. And then what I find is that a lot of creators never get to that moment of, okay, now we should stop and put our focus in right. over here. And how do we even do and that? And it's all totally different skill sets. Yeah. Too. How do yeah. I even do that? How do I hire someone? I think that's the biggest need in the creator economy right now is operators are the biggest need. Yes. And education on how to hire is so it's just not there, right? Because it's all young people who, who grew. Which is funny, by the way, because there's so many operators. Because I'm coming totally. from an operator yeah, world, yeah, yeah, yeah. And all the operators are like, 
dude, I could if I just had the right influencer, right, right. this pro, you know, this is a soap. We could sell a lot yeah. of this soap, right. or whatever the thing is. You know, pick, yeah. pick your favorite widget, and uh, and for them, it's like a total black box. Like, how do I go meet these people, and get them to trust me enough to do this? And so it's yeah. like this. this and then also, they have the to have the temperament to to want that, right? Like yeah. a lot of creators have to. They they might conceptually think they want it. But then when they get into it and their name is on a soap product right. and they don't really like that, it went out to a customer and it wasn't perfect. And then they're like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Right, they freak out. <laughs> they freak out, right? Because it's like, I have so much control over how my brand shows up um, that when you start to scale that, it gets uncomfortable. Right. So. And do you, um, I have this question up here. I put on this list. So it's three creators likely to become a billionaire. I gave you the one freebie. You can say Jimmy and uh, he could be one. Yeah. What other uh, creators do you think have the potential to build a billion dollar empire around what they're doing? It's a combination of their content plus businesses, whatever. I think Dude Perfect. Um, I saw they did like a amusement park or something, yeah. right? Well, they're working like, on it. Yeah. yeah. $100 million project. Yes. Yes. What does that mean? They're, that's what they're investing into this project? I, I don't know the specifics <laughs> of it. I've spent a lot. Of, they, they're actually, I've known them for a really long time. Like, I, I, you know, I've been on YouTube and around YouTube for 12 years. They were the first group that I got involved with um, early on when when we sold our last company. Um, and they're kind of like, the trick shots was do, their thing yeah, that they do, worked. But They like, make sports accessible to, you know, young kids through trick shots and, and um, you know, viral sports videos. And the, the, the reason I bring it up is like, I think- those guys have been at this now since around 2006 or seven, right. and they have remained at the, at the top of their game throughout that whole experience. They also went through a long period of time where, you know, they've done the work. Like I watched them hold the cameras for years, even when they were at 30 million subscribers, they would just go out themselves right. and hold the cameras and edit the videos. And they still sit there in, in the edit bays and make sure they're perfect. And, um, I think they, if you've, if you've seen images of, they just did a tour, see images of like Their the, the young kids who turn out for that, the parents. Um, I, I had a conversation with them one time where they, they said their goal is to be the, the most trusted brand in entertainment. And I actually believe that they are, th on they, they're on track like for that, that yeah. where parents really trust that they can take their kids to a dude perfect event. Right. And that, when you take that to an amusement park, when you take that a couple steps forward, I think that matters a lot in the future, um, and I think they're they're on track for sure. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. That makes sense. I like that pick. Uh, anyone else come to mind that you think has the potential to to do something large like that? I think uh, I th I think of some creators who have the potential, but I don't know if they want to do it. You know, like I I think Cody Co is actually someone who's. Uh, he's, he's coming here tomorrow. Oh, he is? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I love Cody. I know you went on his show. Yeah. I think Cody is like one of the most intelligent people I've met uh, yeah. in the space. Uh, I think he, he even as he's like in, starting to invest now, and I can just, I was thinking about it because him and I were texting yesterday and I was thinking in my head, I was like, who's Cody Co in 10 years? He's either like in the woods, you know, like <laughs> yeah, he's chilling, free. he's a free man, free man yeah. DJing and running, or he's like running the biggest capital company right. you know like I, and i think that's just a personal choice up to him yeah. it's all available to him um but yeah i don't i don't know that uh I, i'm sure there's others that i'm not thinking of but they're my favorite I, brand on youtube tmg tmg is my I number agree, one agree. favorite I, channel on youtube i think noel miller's like a true He's artist special. and yeah. special like yeah. i think there's very rare people like him and also very not very many people like cody co right um so like yeah their music videos 
are so goddamn Dude, good. It's actually it, it's, kind of annoying. It's kind of frustrating. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like a bit. It's a bit yeah. off-putting. Like, dude, what? Like, you can't just do that, right? At that, you can do it as a joke. It can't also it be can't amazing. Also be good. <laughs> yeah, it can't also be good. It can't also make me want to listen to it multiple times. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's funny and amazing, and you just yeah. did it like for kicks on the side, right? On top of your other successful yeah. thing. I find this like pursuit of being a billionaire to be uh, very fascinating. Like, I, I, I don't really have interest in it. I don't. Yeah. I, if it, if it's the outcome of what I decide to do, that would be interesting. But it's not like I I don't find myself to be um, focused on that outcome. And I I also found most creators I talk to are Are not not. focused on that outcome. Totally. Um, But I think it's in the video game of entrepreneurship, it is the final boss, right? So you're kind of like, if your final boss is actually walking away. Sure. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) The the person who says they have enough is is like, like, uh, you know, Paul Graham who created YC, which is, I think probably the most successful tech startup actually, because it created sure all these other tech startups and like it created Dropbox and it created Airbnb. Like I, they probably wouldn't like to say created, but like they without them there is no Reddit. There is no there are there probably aren't those mm-hmm. those businesses being successful, including OpenAI because right he saw Sam Altman and made him president when right. there was tons of other more qualified candidates on paper. But he's like, this he even says something. He was like, this is like what it would be like to talk to a young Bill Gates. Like mm. saw that before. And now he's created OpenAI, which is yeah. today the most, you know, one of the most valuable private startups. So anyways, YC uh, gets to the peak of its powers or gets like, you know, does amazing, uh, amazing stuff 10 years in. And Paul's like, Sam, here you go. I'm going to the woods in the UK and I'm going to live in the woods with my family. And I'm going to basically like write essays paint and code and like you know that's what i'm gonna do and that is the final boss of silicon valley because you see most people just go right back into the hamster wheel and they start running again but that's like the final boss of life right it's like making that realization is (laughs) not wanting anymore yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. being like content and and developing a relationship with the term enough yeah Uh, that's that's a hard thing to do but Uh, totally do you have that do you have a, a number or like a do you do you feel like you have enough like what are you in pursuit of um, I'm in pursuit of a really specific thing, which is, um, I heard a quote once that I think Naval said, he goes, uh, the, the day you stop trading today for a better tomorrow, you've retired. So he's like, um, basically if the things you do today in and of themselves were the reward of what you did today, you've mm-hmm. now you've actually exited the game you've re- you've retired you, yeah. retirement doesn't mean you go sit down and do nothing it means you're not saying all right i'm gonna do this shit today that i don't really want to do or i don't like to do but i'm doing it because it's gonna pay off in the future it's gonna pay off mm-hmm. in the future and like your whole life goes by That's doing really that good, yeah and so when i heard that i was like oh guilty you know guilty like you know put me in, put me in cuffs take me to jail like totally. that's me i'm i've spent the first you know 15 years of my career like you know from 20 to 35 basically was that I was like, oh, I'm going to do X. And I'm going to say I didn't enjoy it necessarily, but like definitely I was like doing X because it might lead to Y. I, I totally agree. I've never just done X. that too. Yeah. I've never just made my main thing. Like I'm doing X because I just doing X seems fun. Yeah. And so that's the, that's the game I'm playing now is to try to achieve that, um, to craft my life such that that's true. And so, um, even though it's like weird, it's like, you know, it's awesome. What's, yeah. it's like, well, what do I like to do best? I don't know. I like to, I like to do this podcast. I like to read. Right. I like to talk. I, you know, I like to like, yeah. 
uh, you know, work on these little tinker with these little things or, you know, just understand, understand, go down rabbit holes and just see how things work in the world. And it's like, those are the things that I do without thinking about some like future payoff. Cause I don't think they even like, or they don't clearly have one. Well, well, you can also have the, uh, there's another Tim Ferriss uh, moment in our, in our episode together. He was like something to the tune of like, you can decouple the, um, the non-financial reward and the financial reward. Right. Right. So like this experience, um, there's a non-financial reward to this, which is like, we have a good conversation. Right. Cool. This is fun. We both go home. That reward is complete. Then you put it out. If there's a performance reward to it, amazing. If that leads to financial opportunity, right. great. You know, like, but that's a separate reward. And exactly. if you can decouple those things, then that is. Uh, yeah. And just yeah. basically uh, like the way I think about stuff is like there's a car and uh, you can have a bunch of passengers in the car. It's like, you know, I have like my ego, but hopefully it's in the trunk. It shouldn't be driving. Sure. Like, you know, let's put him in the back. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's kind of annoying, but he's there. And you got like, you know, the thrill of things that's in the car, but I don't really want thrill to drive because he takes us off the cliff. Mm. Like who gets to drive? And so, uh, you know, that's kind of like, so to me, I'm like, all right, who gets to drive is like the version of me that is uh, following my curiosity, creating shit consistent, like just creating things and is content with life and has like, uh, I'm doing it because I want to do it. I'm doing it because it's enjoyable to do. I'm doing it because it's challenging. So even though it's not that enjoyable, like I'm struggling at it, I'm enjoying the Mm. struggle of doing this thing. Yeah. And so that's who I want to drive. Meaning that's who gets to ultimately make the decision of where are we going in this car. Other people might have input. Other the other parts of me might have input. Like I want money. I want this. I want that. Yeah. But I can't like like basically money was driving for a long ass time, and then it's like hold on wait the deal was you get to drive till we get to this number. We got to that right. number. You don't get to drive anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and maybe you shouldn't have been driving for the first place. But at least in my life, I was like, like I want to get to basically a, a financial freedom number, a number where. I can spend whatever I want on my lifestyle and it's coming off of my investment income, not out of like my work income. Yeah. Uh, because then it's like, all right, cool. Money works for money. I work for me. Man, right? I think that is a big opportunity with uh, creators. It'd be like a smaller group, but I think as creators, we're really good at generating money, but we don't know how to turn money into money. Right. <laughs> because we're, it, it's like- It's a totally different skill set. It's a totally different skill set. And then we don't know who to trust with that. You know, I think if there was a creator focused group that helped with that, that. Well, we went to this athlete thing yesterday with a bunch of, there's a bunch of basketball players there. And it's the same thing. Like literally we were joking. We were like, this event would be cool if it was just the athletes who do what they do and us. But then you have all the clingers. Yeah. And you're like, who do I trust? And and like, and like, and some of the clingers are the people they trust and they're like kind of safe choices, but don't actually know how to do the thing for them. Sure. It's like, you know, actually, if they asked, I would for free help them or tell them exactly what they should be doing so that their money works for money and they don't they piss it away. Yeah. But um, the incentive is not for me to go chase them and reach mm. them and then beg them to listen to my advice. Yeah. The guy who's trying to take their money is incentivized sure. to chase them and beg them and and try to convince yeah. them that they're the guy who's going to help them. Right. And it's like this weird, like perverse incentive is like the guy who's going to like work his hardest to break into your circle is the one who wants something. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? you actually don't want to work with someone who's like needs who, who something needs from you. you. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> On the sports topic, there's one more, um, destroying, uh, he is a sports creator, a football focused creator. Right. He, he played football at uh, UCF and this is pre NIL days. Right. So he played football. He was making YouTube videos. They brought him into a room and said, you have a choice. You can either continue playing football or you can continue with your YouTube channel. He chose YouTube. Um, 
and built this this really substantial YouTube channel. He has this series called One on Ones uh, that just partnered. Does he go live to places? Like he goes to like yeah. a city yeah, yeah, and like yeah. hosts like an live yeah. events and they get crazy. Like in Arizona, it had to get called off because it was like too many people there and the police had to get involved. Right. Uh, I, I was gonna go. He, I think he, he, he messaged or his management. Somebody messaged. Okay, okay. It was so like I mean, yeah. like he's an hour away. I was Great. like, oh, that sounds kind of fun, but so, like, I didn't make it out. What does he do? So, actually, so it's one on one. So basically, it's wide receivers versus cornerbacks, and they That's line cool. up and they go one on one and one dude wins $10,000. And for, for some of the communities he's going into, that's life changing. Right. Money, right. For a lot of communities. And is he that's the like, guy in the thing or it's he's the two host. other guys? Okay, like, he's, he's the, the host. host. Okay, gotcha. um, you know, and like he, you can see like this is oh, this is awesome. what it looks like. Um, if you go to his channel and go to most viewed. That's in my old high school. So oh, cool. So that, yeah. so if that guy, if that guy had caught it, he would have. He would have advanced. No, oh, he okay, advanced. So it's, 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 it's a tournament, okay. and you and then you start to know these characters, and uh, they travel to different markets. Dude, this is to the compete. new and one mixtape. Exactly. Like, this is great. This is and one mixtape <laughs> for and, football. <laughs> and um, Colin and I spoke with uh, at, at a YouTube event with D, and he was speaking with Roger Goodell, and we were talking to to Roger about destroying, and he was like, "This guy's like really impactful for football oh wow he's he's creating new fans and the nfl just partnered with him on this series the one-on-one series and i think when i look at d like the leagues are starting to get involved with him in a way where i'm like wait he is single-handedly a really uh important part of the future of sports viewership yeah and that to me i don't know that he i don't know if he has aspirations to be a billionaire but to solve that problem for the nfl is a uh, big problem to solve. And right. if you solve that for the CFL and you start solving that, you know, you go down the line, this can also become camps. Totally. This can become, you know, so many things, right? Yeah, the he world can, is his oyster, He right? can like, become a host. He he's probably should be one of the hosts uh, for the NFL. like Or like the Pro Bowl, which no one's watching. I think he can also create a, uh, yeah, I mean, he can hmm. redefine the Pro Bowl because yeah. this is more interesting. This, already, this is like, way more, yeah, I can't, yeah. I'm like half looking at you because I'm yeah, like yeah, you're, watching you're this. In. I mean, I, we, we pulled this up in our office and we have a ton of people who don't watch sports and then they got hooked on it. They were yeah, like, this is primal. It, it's primal, <laughs> yeah. And so he could redefine the Pro Bowl. He can also create a NIL agency, right? So you have college athletes right. who, he represents this, you know, where college athletics didn't let you monetize he knows how to right. do this, right? So, okay, now can D create a NIL agency where he's signing athletes right. and getting them contracts? It, it, he, The world of D, like the world of sports, no one is really approaching it like him. And I think that like sports is still high, uh, carries a very high dollar value. Mm. Live sports, yes, um, that, it's, it carries such high uh, dollar value that I think he has that opportunity as well. There was a guy at that event we were at that was, um, you, you'll know him because he's lacrosse. Paul. Paul Raybal. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was a groomsman in my wedding. He's one of my best friends. Amazing. He, yeah. So I, I don't know much about this. So you were at tell, the boardroom event. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about it. So basically, he what he was saying on stage was like, okay, we created this professional lacrosse league. Yeah. He, what, he, what was interesting, he was like, there's like, whatever, I don't know, eight teams or something. But he's like, we own the teams. Yeah. It's not like a franchise model. And I think he's like, we pay the costs, but then like all the players have upside in the thing. Mm-hmm. Like. What is the business model of this? This sounded pretty fascinating. And yeah, so it's, do you it's, think it's a good model? Also, I'm an investor, so a biased opinion. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but I've uh, you know what I've always seen in in lacrosse. If you if you pull up, um, go to the Premier Lacrosse League YouTube channel and and play the last vlog from their All Star game. You get a sense for like the community. That one, the fastest shot, uh, right? That yeah. So you get you get a sense for like what it looks like. I mean, they they were going wild, but like they they packed the stadium out in Louisville for their All Star game. So basically, what he did was there was a pre existing league called Major League Lacrosse. They paid their players terribly. 
Uh, they treated them not that well. That was the best league. That was the only pro the only league. league. Okay. It was like, and no one really cared about it. I right. mean, like it, it was it was kind of interesting, but it was empty stadiums. They didn't have health care. It was like they weren't treated like it was tough to be a pro athlete and not get paid much, right? right? And Paul became the you know number one uh, lacrosse player. He had the biggest media uh, platform. Colin and I actually ran his YouTube channel. That's how we no became way. very close. Um, we were running a lot of different athlete YouTube channels at one point. And so we became really close to Paul. That's how we met. Um, and he had the best head on his shoulder for like media. How do you build a brand? How do you, you know, he had the biggest, he's, he was called lacrosse's first million dollar man. He had deals with Red Bull and New Balance. And, um, he had created the model for like, how do you make money as a And was he just, was he the best and he was the best at media or he was actually the best at media and really good no he's he's the he was the best he was the best player yeah, too. The best okay. player. yeah 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 so uh, that, they, that, those are those like conor mcgregor at, at one totally, time yeah. was like he's the champ yes and yes. he's like the most marketable guy so he he decided uh you know at one point just to say hey you know what we're gonna go raise money and create our own league like this league sucks that i play in um that's what he did he turned to joe ty who's uh the nets owner you know yeah nets owner uh who played lacrosse in college and loves lacrosse right. and is a great dude met him a couple times and uh he became the the lead investor and then they partnered with, with rain group and um, they raised a bunch of money and said, we're going to pay the players a reasonable salary and give them equity in the league. We're gonna give them healthcare. Uh, and we are going to create media around them. We're going to create media opportunities right. for them. We're going to teach them how to, you know, and the last thing they did was they said, we're not going to stick these teams in local markets. We're going to actually take the whole league on tour. Makes sense. So, they, they developed that a, makes it, more sense. It's like a touring, you know, circus yeah, yeah. where it's like, is it coming to San Diego this weekend? Okay, everyone descends upon this major, insight. major market. Yeah, super. It, you, you know, if you have lacrosse people, they come to town twice a year. Exactly. It's like, all right, we'll go to that. Yeah. We may not go all the time, or there may not be yeah. enough people to support a stadium. Well, I think also what he knew and what what we saw was that the model in lacrosse, the way you made money, was by doing camps and clinics, right? So you 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 have youth camps where right. like there's a lot of young kids who want to play they come from affluent backgrounds their parents are willing to pay a thousand dollars for them to get coached by their favorite lacrosse right. player um and paul built a massive camps business and so alongside this you go to a major market now you have a weekend dedicated to you can have camps you can turn all these players into uh, okay. camp counselors and and so trainers they, they and, earn extra money exactly or whatever. they can build their own bespoke businesses but that all you know connect to the league and that's it. um so it's a, he, he, him and his brother are really sharp. So, they, and they didn't sell in. franchises yet. Not yet. Yeah. And they... Uh, Barstool's they involved in one of them. Okay. Uh, they they got to name the expansion team. And cool. uh, pardon my take, like they're <laughs> the it. owners. What'd they name it? Uh, the Water Dogs. That's like a ridiculous <laughs> name. Yeah. But like they, you know, there's that, that creates like kind of that, that inside joke with the part of PMT community right. that it's like they have their own team. That's smart. It's a collab. It's, it's, it's like, oh, it's we're going to do a collab. Yeah. Because when they play, Big Cat's tweeting about it. Uh, when they, they won the championship last year, he got his own ring. You know, it's like amazing. They, they're able to build again. They're very media savvy. And so they, they understand that this is a long game. Lacrosse is not. Well, to build any league, I think yeah. I texted you this during the event. I was like, I think what this guy's saying is actually quite smart. We should look at investing. And I go, I'll, I'll go, man, building a league is hard. Like fun if you Crazy. do it. But that is like one of the hardest games you could play in the world Dude, of entrepreneurship they're... is creating a, a sports league from scratch. Cause it's like, kind of a 20 year arc oh, to yeah, actually yeah, yeah. get there. You have to have such a long view on the world and right. on your life to do it. And, and you're doing live events. You're doing all the hardest things. I mean, every weekend he's in a different 
city. Right. You know, I'm watching these and, and looking. The, the most promising thing is look how young the kids are who are there, right? Right. So if That's they grow up yeah. with this league, these teams, these franchises, like they are playing a very long game here. Um, and I credit them to, for doing it, but it's uh, it's not an easy thing. And they signed like a $10 million deal or something with ESPN. With like ESPN, to, yeah. To get, uh, yeah. The, the media right. rights uh, deal. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So when they first started, Colin and I made a documentary about them for NBC. Uh, That's we, right. We've yeah, had like we've many, many different lives of, you know, Colin and Samir. Um, but <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Do you think that's going to be... Uh... You know, good investment for you. Were you like the first one in because he's like your buddy? I was first one in, uh, which was great. So it's doing um, good. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's doing. I, I'm having that very funny how like it. um, like you're gonna get like you're gonna, let's say this works out. Hopefully, yeah. like you know, like we we all were rooting for this. Like you're gonna make a bunch of money from this thing that was so impossible to predict that that's how this whole thing would pay off. Sure, it's like, sure. all right, mom, I yeah, know yeah, yeah. I don't have health insurance. I don't have a job. <laughs> I know I'm kind of filming this yeah, like yeah. failing league, yeah. <laughs> you know, like this, this like sure. lacrosse thing. Yeah. It's like, and it leads to the thing, right? So it's the Steve Jobs yeah, quote, I right? Mean, you look back, you see all the dots, how they connected, but like- when you go even who further knew? back, like, I, I, and the way this happened was my first idea when I was 21 was to just set up a laptop and make YouTube videos about lacrosse. Right, commentating, right? Like That was a bad idea when you really, you know, you yeah. zoom out, but- if you're into it, like a lot of creators ask me, like, how long does it take to make it on YouTube? Like, how long does it take to make it? I'm sure entrepreneurs ask that yeah. question too, right? Or have that thought in their head, like, how long is this going to take? Right. Um, and I was like, I always think it's such a ridiculous question because I'm like, well, what's your relationship to making videos? Do you wake up every morning and it's, you can't not do it? Right. Like, you're just like, all I can do is make videos. Right. Then you made it then, from then, day one. <laughs> yeah, you, you made it and it will, there will be an outcome from yes. that. There will be, it will lead you somewhere. Um, but if you wake up and you're like, this sucks, it's kind of what you were saying. It's like, I'm doing X so I can get to Y. Well, the, the entrepreneurship version is um, startups fail, but founders don't. So like right. I moved to San Francisco in 2012. So that's 10 years ago. And I met a bunch of people and we used to have like these like underground fast founder like meetings where we're like trading yeah. tips and tricks and being like, yo, what do I do? This person, I need to fire them. What do I say when I fire them? Like basically there's a bunch of CEOs being like, I can't like tell my team about this i can't tell my customers about this i can't tell my investors about this i can only tell you guys yeah because you guys understand and look unlike youtube everybody who was doing startups at the time was like all living in the same seven mile yeah. radius city and so we would just all meet up all the time and sure enough like as you watch if you track that cohort is basically only two outcomes one is got so burnt out from like the grind and failure that they just stopped after like you know three four years uh more than five years they just like did that company, they're like, screw this. Yeah. I'm taking a job. I'm moving back to Connecticut. And like, I'm going to live in a low cost place. I'm going to de-stress and I'm going to do that. But everybody else who stayed in the game won. Like literally, like almost like 100% of my friends who stayed in the game. Yeah. And some of them won in year two, some won in year five, some won in year nine. Now we're in like year 11 or 12. Yeah. People are winning like now. But like, and it's kind of like, it feels like a really long time. It's like, wow, 12 years. It's like. Yeah, but we all started this when we were 21. So like, you know, yeah. Um, okay, we're mid 30s, yeah. For sure. us, we're 34 and yeah. rich. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it worked. In Whatever. the end it yeah. worked, right? The 15-year yeah. arc, you get like a then the odds flip from like 90% of new businesses fail to actually like 90% of you guys will succeed if you actually enjoy this enough where you'll keep yeah, doing this keep even doing though it. you have easier options. Yes. I always I, I've said that multiple times um whenever I'm having something that feels like I'm I'm struggling, I'm like this is the, uh, uh, the the least rational path to making money, right? Is what I do. 
at this point also now I have enough exposure and enough uh, of an abundance in my network that I can go and get a, things, get a good yeah. job. Right. But like I do this cause it's, it's just what I do. It's just who I am. I don't even know what to do in another context. I right. don't know what that looks like. I, I will say though, like being, it, it's hard to be uh, not outcome oriented, you know, like I think as an entrepreneur, you think about like exits and you think about, you know, like these big paydays and, uh, I would say that even with with our newsletter, like when I saw Milk Road, I was like, okay, I want that outcome right. too. But whenever I get too attached to that outcome, I'm like, okay, wait a second. Right. That that's like, that's creating in a way that's just like the product probably will not be great if I don't just put my head down and go, okay, it's Monday. Is this Monday issue really great? Okay, it's Wednesday. Right. Is this Wednesday issue really great? And I've really tried to um, refine my focus on process and impact. Like is I, I have to focus on the process of creating the thing. And then the second thing is like my, a lot of my reward is seeing if we're having impact. Is, is this actually impactful what I'm putting out? Right. Or is it just going out and, you know, no one's saying anything about it or we're not getting any, like I, I find I gauge the success of our stuff from like the texts I get or the DMs or like, hey, that episode was really impactful right. or hey, that really changed the way I think about this or hey, that newsletter taught me about this. If I see those, then I'm like, okay, we're doing we're we're doing something. Um, let's keep doing that, and hopefully that takes us to an outcome. But you also have to accept it might not. It might just be this, and we might just get you know five percent better, you know, over the next two years. Right. And, and, and that's it. And you have to accept that that is a that is the maybe the most likely reality is that you just keep doing it. Right. And as long as you can accept that, at least <laughs> for me, that's how I I you know explore it for myself. Yeah. The the best test of a project is basically. Would we regret doing it if it didn't work? Right. Like, obviously, we don't want it not to work, and we might be upset if it didn't work, but, like, would we actually regret doing it if it didn't work? Because then it's like, oh, I'm just actually dependent on the success or failure of what's usually a low odds of success endeavor. Totally. Whereas other things are like, I wouldn't really regret it because, like, well, I'm still going to get this, like, still going to be fun to do, still Mm going to learn a ton. I'm, like, this is the type of thing I like to do. Yeah. So, you know, if this doesn't work out, it doesn't really matter. Like, I'm just going to ping pong to the kind of the the next version of this. But it was a forward it was a forward step either way. Right. Like there's this uh, like Tony Robbins does this thing where he does this um, dabblers versus masters. I don't know if you ever heard this. Mm -mm. So he tells a story at his events where he goes, um, he goes, uh, there's some people that they go and they discover racquetball, which maybe now pickleball would be the thing. But it's like, you know, they go they go to the gym. They're like they see somebody playing racquetball. They're like, oh, I'll try it. They go and they have have some fun. And they're like, racquetball, that, this might be my thing. <laughs> and they're like, okay, I'm going to play racquetball. And so they, the next day they come back, play again. Next day they actually go and they, uh, you know, they get better shoes because they were like, oh, that was the problem last time. They buy the racket, they start playing, blah, blah, blah. And they, they, they're doing well. But then they play somebody who's been playing for like 10 years, who's like way better than them. And that's, you know, the, the, for three days straight, they're playing and they can't hit a good shot. Everything's going off and they're losing all these games. And they're like, this stupid, like stupid racquetball, like, right. why am I in this box? I'm trapped. Like, you know, this is, it's too loud in here. Just, <laughs> it is you know, weirdly this loud. Is, this is a sport for old yeah. people. You yeah. start to find all these reasons to quit. So they, yeah. they, they quit. They're like, I'm going to go play a real game. I'm going to go play uh, tennis. So you go outside, you play tennis. You're like, oh, so much better. I'm outdoors. This is way better. And, you know, they're hitting the ball around. They're starting to learn the strokes. They're, they're enjoying learning a little bit. Same thing happens. They start to play somebody who knows what's going on. They're hitting the ball in the net. They can't really serve well, and it's, it's getting frustrated. It's hot out, and they're like, "Stupid game!" Like, you know what yeah. is this? Then, like, yeah. uh, this is this is this is like mm-hmm. a girly game. I, yeah, I, I don't yeah. want to play this. I want to play like a real game. And 
golf. And then right. they're like, just fuck. From day yeah. one, they're like, fuck. <laughs> and he's basically like, you know, most people go through their whole life doing a series mm, of these. Dabbling, yeah. And they're dabblers. And he's like, what's the difference between a master? Uh, there's like, there's three categories. A dabbler. A dabbler is basically like, try it. As soon as it gets hard, bounce. Then he's like, then there's the stressor achiever. Stressor achiever is like, when it gets hard, they just start gritting their teeth and they just get, they're going to keep going, but they don't enjoy any of it. Mm. And like all the hardship stresses them out, but they've just been trained since they were a little kid to like push through it, just keep pushing yeah. through and like, you'll get a gold star later. Like the, the joy will be later. And he's like, then there's the master and the master basically like, they're like, they know that when you start something new, there's the initial like joy of discovery. There's the learning curve. There's the hard plateaus. And when the plateau comes, they greet it like an old friend, like, oh, there you are. Like, I thought you'd be showing up soon. I've been right. I've been playing for a week. And usually that's when I'll hit. I'll, that's mm -hmm. when you arrive, plateau. And I know how to, like, deal with you because I know that after the plateau comes the next uprise. And I'm, I'm excited for that upswing. But yeah. let me work through this plateau. And they don't really get, like, flustered by mm -hmm. it. So they get the same or they get better results than all three. Way better than the dabbler. Significantly yeah. better than the stressor achiever. But the difference is, like, the whole way they're kind of actually like enjoying the, the dance or playing the game yeah. because they actually understand that this is like, these are all normal for the game. Mm -hmm. And you find that like the people who um, get really like into like struggling or grinding or like get really overwhelmed by like, you know, the adversity, it's really just like, they haven't played the game enough to know that this is, normal. this is how the levels yeah, of the game goes. work. Yeah. You shouldn't be surprised that the roller coaster is going up and down. Like <laughs> yeah. you remember you got on the, you got in line to get on a roller coaster, right? Yeah, that's like, a good point. That, you know, one thing that uh, I don't know why this made me think of it. I think just because like the the ups and downs of the game and the the conversation we were having at the beginning of the show about interviewing. One thing that both Colin and I did was go to improv class to learn how to be to get better. Yeah, just to get better at like being present, working with whatever the other person says. Right. Like what what we found was my wife was listening to our interviews and she was like, "You're not listening to them. You're just not listening to your guests." they're saying something and then you say something completely different. <laughs> You're just waiting. To You're talk. just waiting to talk. <laughs> and so I went to improv class and it, it was really this incredible, uh, lesson in the craft of how do you sit in the pocket and just be like, I can't have any preconceived notions as to where this is about to go. Right. You're going to say something <laughs> and I have to let go of where I want it to go. Right. And I found myself in the first day of improv. I was like, we were playing this game and I was like, okay, I know exactly how to make this funny. This is going to be funny. I know where to take it. And then the person right before me said something and I was like, why the hell would you say that? And then I had to deal with it. And then I was like, oh, this is the work, right? This is the craft or building the craft. And I think, you know, in, in, in the, the roller coaster of being a podcaster, like you have to be willing to do all of that in public as well. Right. Right. Like you, you, you go back and you watch your early episodes, that roller coaster is, there's a record of the roller coaster of like <laughs> times where it was going really well, times where it wasn't right. going well, times where views were up, times where views were down. It's like all public. And right. I think um, it's, it's challenging because we have to practice in public. I think that's like, as, as you know, you build in public as an entrepreneur, but there's something incredibly just, you're like naked as a content creator out there. Everyone can see everything. Right. So, yeah. well, you guys are doing an amazing job. I'm a fan Thank you, man. I uh, look forward to, to kind of seeing if this is your kind of like learning phase, then like, you know, I'm excited to see what, what it's like as you guys master this. So appreciate thanks it, for uh, thanks for doing this. Dude, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, man. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I can rule the world. I know I could be what I want to. 
I put my all in it like no days off. On the road, let's travel, never looking back. Like